is not going to be say regarding that. Right, I'm begging you, Mark, you have to start recording on your end as well. Yeah. This is how accidents happen. That, 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 that is, I, I share the blame in that one, that's my bad as well. Does right. it not automatically record now, though? Does no. it send you a thing afterwards? No, because, um, you know, like, you've got to let people know that you're recording them, so it's a whole, like, legal thing that they can't have it automatically start. Yeah. That, that's so, why I, well, I, 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 I need to get a backup recorder set up. So, um, this is episode 319 of Film Bastards. We're talking about Joker. Mark's here, uh, Becky's here, Noel's here, and we're talking about Martin Scorsese dissing Marvel and how people are getting their knickers in a twist. And go! And, and, and should we explain why there's the, that garbled start? Because um, we kind of forgot to start recording. So apologies for that. Um, yeah. We've been talking for about 10, 15 minutes as well. All that you missed TV what? chat. Never mind. Yes. <laughs> there'll, there'll, be, there'll be better quality going, going, going throughout it. Stop being fucking snobs about TV. No, I will no, never stop being a snob about TV. <laughs> um, no, just, so I think that it's, it's kind of one of those things where for instance, Becky, you don't agree with the comment, do you? The Martin Scorsese comment. It's a bit more complex than that. I don't agree with him that it's not cinema. I I absolutely agree that he should have that's, the right to say that to well, him it's not well, that's cinema. That's what I'm saying, but, but you yeah. don't agree. Oh, no, I mean, I it, agree. It, it is that. Whereas I more agree, but I don't... But for me, that I, I'm not meaning it as a criticism. It's just it's, there's, a, there's bits of it that are cinematic. But on a whole, I, I, it, it's it's a different thing. I don't think you can be all gatekeeper about cinema. I, I'm not being gatekeeper. I'm saying I, I think what the Marvel films have done is it's something it's something different to uh, that's happened to cinema. We've never seen anything like this. There's never been a, a universe like that no. where you've had what is it? Twenty two films? Is it three hundred thousand? You know, the closest thing you can get to it is is Bond. Yeah, and they're I, not connected. I think he's the, the closest thing you can get to it, but they're not. They're they're purposefully not connected. Mm. Um, also, they only they, really involve one group of characters. Exactly. And, they, they they effectively yeah. involve one character around and, one character and and a, and a set of sub sub characters. Yeah, a set of, of sub characters, and so it's a different. It's a very different sort of thing, and it's. I think you, you can say that it's done something completely different. It's it's created almost a whole. And I was trying to say to you what we were talking about earlier. It's kind of created a whole new. It's it's almost like TV that you go to a cinema to watch, but it's a lot more than that. It, it's this weird episodic thing in this this absolute phenomenon, I... which I can see why wouldn't appeal to a. 76 year old man i think that's that's the key thing though isn't it i mean yeah. it's the 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 two different the two points here for me are that it's the difference between what is cinema and what is cinematic and it's it's a generational thing as well you know to martin scorsese the things that are cinematic are like the westerns and noir films that he grew up on that have influenced his work or you know Kurosawa, or you know the, the stuff that yeah, the, 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 people who are seventy six who are film who have been filmmakers, Oscar winning filmmakers through the fucking seventies and eighties, like the best periods of cinema to, to be making the kinds of films that they were making. Cinematic means something different. It does. And when, just, when you say what's cinema and what's not cinema, 
we live unfortunately in a world of consumption and content and so cinema now is means something completely different to what it meant in the the 40s and 50s when uh, 40s 50s and 60s when, when when martin scorsese was absorbing all of his influences it's cinema is a different thing now that's it in in that time like you're saying um you know that was the only way you saw film was at a cinema and the the amount of films that came out and the amount of films that were available was so much more limited as well and then there's the other point about it is people are saying oh well um, who's to why? Who's Martin Scorsese to decide what cinema? And I don't think he's trying to decide that. But on another flip angle of that, it's like right, all of the, um, the 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 marvelics that are coming out and foaming at the mouth about it. It's like all right, cool. So we're saying then, we're, we're saying that the, the the collective movies of Adam Sandler, that's cinema. Oh no, that you've been reductive. I've not been reductive. You are. I'm, I'm saying that that if you've got to be able to pick and choose to say what is cinema and what is entertainment. Well, I think the thing... I'm not saying they're not. What I'm saying is, is if people are going to pick that and say, who's he to pick and choose, etc. like that, it's like, well, how on it? Will you fucking pick and choose? Anybody can find any kind of cinema that they want. It's about opinions. And the problem is nowadays is you can't have an opinion. Well, the Marvel movies are, they are cinematic events. They aren't just, they're not just some shitty comedy with some washed up I, 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 The thing is, I, I think it kind of depends on what you're terming cinematic. I would, mm. and this is me being a fucking stickler, but I would say that the, Mar- the, the biggest fault with the Marvel Studios films for me at the moment is that they all look like each other. They all look like they're shot by the same person. They've all got they've all got like a style guide that's held to every single one of them. And if they don't have that, then they don't get to achieve what they have achieved. That's the thing. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a choice that they make. But I don't a cohesive universe. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, that that particular look is quite drab, and I don't find. I don't find those films cinematic. I find them epic. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Endgame and Infinity War are fuck and, and the original Avengers. They are fucking epic films. Do I fi- do I think that they're 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 cinematic or at least in my viewing of the word cinematic? I I'll be honest. I don't think. No, I, I don't. Do. I, I I agree with you. I think that this is what I'm saying. It's the the word cinematic relates to a relates to a form of cinema it relates to how we perceived cinema in the past and how martin scorsese has produced the films that he produced now that's the word cinematic but when you say the word cinema it's not so much like my point was basically that this is what cinema is now not not what cinematic is now but what cinema is now what the sure. the medium of cinema is now where i and i have no problem with what scorsese is saying i agree if he's talking about things being cinematic i agree with that totally 100 and he's he's more well placed than fucking any of us to be talking about what cinematic and what's not the issue that i have is it's the other part of the the comment where he says that it's not the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional psychological experiences to another human being I mean, 
that's not purely what these films exist to do, but they do do that and they do it rather well sometimes. That's and actually, if for somebody who has been invested in these characters and seen all these films, I'm more affected when they do do that. I'm sure. guessing that Martin Scorsese hasn't seen that many of these, but the ones that he's dipped in and out of or caught a little bit of here and there, they've not really done it for him. So I wouldn't expect them to. I wouldn't expect him to be attached to them or or feel uh, moved by any of the interactions that that the characters have. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. We we were talking about this the other night. They they they, they do convey quite a lot of emotion in some of them. Some of them are a bit more shallow than others. But if you take something like Civil War, there's there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's it's in a very exaggerated situation, but it's very human emotion and reactions that are being portrayed. Hmm. And also, to a degree, they're not really human stories. They're, su- they're superhuman stories. They're, they're, you know, they're stories plus. Like, that's what comic books are. They're mm. real life, and, but overemphasized. And that's what these characters are. They're human beings who are massively overemphasized. And that's, you know, we... we it, in more recent years within comics, we have placed those humans into real, more realistic circumstances. And we've gone, all right, well, this guy's going to be an alcoholic and this guy's going to cheat on his wife and this guy's going to beat his wife up. And this guy doesn't think he can cope with being a god anymore or whatever. But those are relatively new things for many, many years. It's just about comic books or superheroes, I should say, have, have been about being superhuman. And, and now, as we will go on to talk about when we get to the main review we're starting to take comic book characters and give them a real world perspective. And I think that makes them and has always for me made them way more interesting. So I find that part of the comment a little bit, I mean, it doesn't bother me either way to be perfectly honest. I couldn't care less. It's it's, but it's that part of it that I think is, if any of it is, is, um, you know, a pause for argument, then it's that point really. I, I don't think that's, that's that fair. What What I found quite amusing was the fact that, People seem to think that I saw one person saying, that's it. I'm never watching another Martin Scorsese movie again. And it's like, okay. cool. <laughs> I, I bet Martin Scorsese is looking at that and going, well, maybe I should give these 22 films a watch because Marvel from <laughs> 1972 isn't going to watch The Irishman and might cancel his Netflix subscription. It's like, all right, I, I, I might have to give this another go. It's like, and I've got a mortgage to pay. Yeah, Martin Scorsese <laughs> literally, literally took on the fucking Catholic Church at one point. <laughs> he really doesn't care. I mean, the, the, the thing that upsets me most about this is the thought that the culture will take this to heart so much that in the years when Scorsese passes, people will be like, oh, he was really out of touch in his later years and blah, 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 blah. I, I don't think that will be the case because thankfully it kind of yeah. sounds like the Irishman is going to be nominated for pretty much every Academy Award category. It's in, it could be possibly and in contention for that. But, and, and if anyone wants to say Martin Scorsese is out of touch, you kind of go, cool, go watch the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I think that that's a crazy thing to say. Martin Scorsese, there's a, you know, there's a special place for Martin Scorsese. He is, probably the greatest living filmmaker and he will be remembered as one of the greatest filmmakers of all time i think and i can't imagine a fucking throwaway comment about what you know a certain uh, sub-genre of cinema that he's not quite getting on with i can't see that affecting anything really 
The weird thing is, with, with Scorsese, though, because he is a, and I'm going to say a really wanky thing right now, he is a, a student of cinema. He takes it really quite, he takes it quite seriously, and he, he watches an awful lot. You could see somebody sat round with him and saying to him, Give him a go, then. What about, what about this or anything like this or anything like this? You could see him going, do you know what? Fuck it. Why not? Why don't I give it? Why don't, why don't I give it a little bit of a go? And then coming out and, and and if he thinks that he's maybe changed my anything like that, coming out and and saying that um, because he, he he likes talking about film. He's fascinating to listen to talk about film, and that is that is the thing. That is why he's um, why he's he's been as good as he is for as long as he has because he he hasn't shunned away advancements you look at the the way that he used um he uses cg in his films now i haven't seen the Irishman yet so you've got to take the de-aging thing but for instance the cgi footage in wolf of wall street or in hugo and things like that it, it's it's filmmakers using it and not going right uh, for instance james cameron literally advertised on the poster look at these new cameras i've developed to do this and no one's ever done this with technology no one's ever done this and it's like Right, cool. The film shit that, and it's like there's that. Whereas Scorsese's going right, I'm gonna do this to make this better, and do this to make this better, liking the way something like Fincher does it, and things like that. And it's thinking about cinema in, in a different way. I do, I do find it's, it a bit peculiar though that, that, that given the fact that he is really interested in cinema and he, he does, you know, he, he he takes an active interest in it still, that a cultural touchstone like the Marvel universe mm-hmm. should have completely passed him by. I don't think he's passed it by. He says that he's, he's tried. It's just not for him. Maybe that is it. Maybe it's just not for mm. him. For yeah, instance, well, he's right. I can't give a shit about... Um, I couldn't care less about Breaking Bad, about Game of Thrones, about things like that, these cultural touchstones. I have tried them. I just I just don't care. And then when people keep saying to me constantly, oh, but you've got you've got to give it more of a go. It's like, no, I, I actually don't. Because there's shitloads of other stuff that I can watch. And if you want to have that, that's cool. You can have that thing. I'm not saying Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad is shit or anything like that. I just, it's not mine. It's not for me. I just don't care. And that's the thing with the comments, I think, isn't it? It, it, It's not like someone's asking about a Marvel movie and he's gone, well, that's not cinema. Black Black Panther, fucking, that's a shit for kids. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. you know, he's not doing that, is he? He's just gone, for me... That's not cinema. That's not what I consider to be cinema. No, there, are, there have been other other filmmakers and other film people who have made bigger derogatory comments towards the Marvel films, uh, for instance, and seemingly got away with it. Mm. I mean, even though, I mean, I I'm fucking fascinated to see what's going to happen with Gemini Man. I mean, like, earn reviews are bad. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, it just I love. But the thing is, at least with Ang Lee, he is he is pushing that shit, and he is he is trying interesting shit. And James Cameron, say what you want about the guy, trying interesting shit. And like you said, Mark, the promotional campaign for Avatar, talking about the cameras. I remember Resident Evil Afterlife came out the year after Avatar, and yeah. one of their things was shot using the same cameras that shot Avatar. You know, and it it, it I. Will we get that? Will we get that again? Will there be that sense of, I mean, like the whole 3D thing, you know, obviously it's kind of come and gone, 
but there seemed some excitement in the advancement of technology and people seem to be on board with that for a bit whereas now it does i mean it, it you know it, it feels like interconnected stories are the big thing and you know i really 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 like a lot of marvel studios films it's just in in 30 years time who is going to be more remembered martin scorsese or anthony and joe russo i know which one it will be but on the other hand who will be more remembered martin scorsese or kevin feige that could actually be a question depending on how these things go you know i mean it's that it, it goes. It goes back to the same thing, though. It's the the it's it's the landscape of cinema is now this. The landscape of cinema is advancements in technology and brands and uh, and recognisable franchises and interconnectivity. That is the landscape of cinema. And the further we push in technology, and the more we focus on the success of brands, the further that we are going to get away with with the further we are going to get away from what Martin Scorsese understands as cinema and or slash cinematic. Like that's, that's just the direction of travel, I'm afraid. And sadly, I think that means that we'll never get, we'll never get filmmakers who are at the level that, that Martin Scorsese has been at in his career. But, you know, that's the world, isn't it? I think, unfortunately. God, that's really depressing, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> Shit. It's spot on. Yeah, um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you feel more okay with dying in the decades ahead, Noel, because you'll know yeah, the world's not there. You know, yeah. so that, that, that's the crumb of comfort I um, I hang on to, the fact that I'll yeah. know that I'm I'm too old for the world and that I do need to die. Yeah. So yeah. I'll know when that, when that day comes. That day is going to come when somebody, probably Marvel or DC, announces a new comic book movie, and I go... I'm just not that bothered anymore. I think that's probably the point where I was like, yeah, just just take me now because mm. I think I'm done. To be fair, I thought it was too old for the world when 3D printing became a thing. So I feel like I'm living on borrowed time already. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a strange little news one uh, this week. It's not like a big news thing or anything like that, but it's a strange little, huh, that's an odd one. Go on then. So, um... You know, um, Wally Fister hasn't made a hasn't um, he made a film a couple of years ago, three four years ago now is it? Um, the transmission was it called? Transference. Transference, yeah, came out. But he's essentially semi-retired as as a cinematographer. The last film that he was a was it Transcendence? Oh fuck, that's boring. Yeah. The Johnny Depp was that the Johnny Depp one? Yeah. yeah. That was a while. That was that. was more than three years ago. That yeah, one, it was definitely more than three years um, ago. That seems like about five years ago. That I could have. I thought we reviewed that on Heroes. We reviewed it on here. Two thousand fourteen. Was it? Only, yeah. That was only twenty fourteen. Yeah. Well, that's five years ago. Yeah. Wow, we. So it's been seven years since Wally Fister was last the DLP on on a film. Um, he's returning next year. Uh, to been a, a director of photography uh do you know what film he's doing fast and furious nine no, it, it's it, it's weirder than that wait 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 i've got it martin scorsese he's superman 2 <laughs> no he's he's gonna be the dop on the bollywood remake of rambo fuck off <laughs> yeah he's attached to that <laughs> all right there you wow. go 
remake of the Rambo film series. <laughs> it's Bollywood, Becky. It can be six hours long. It sounds like, is he making a play for being the, the James Franco of directors? No, he's not directing. He, he's, he's DOP on it. DOP. Yeah. I'm fairly sure you dreamt this. I don't know if I'm there in an upcoming project on IMDb. Uh, the, the director previously helmed Bang Bang, which was a remake of Night and Day. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a. Holy shit. Sorry, I just I just found it on IMDb. <laughs> that's that no that can't that no that actually can't be right. Someone's just fucking. I'm not. I don't know how they verify these things on IMDb, but come on. Do you know what? It, oh it, it, it genuinely wouldn't surprise me with some of the stuff that if you look at when he did it in his early career, if somebody's just gone, what? Did you fancy doing the doing the cinematography for this? Nah, I, I, I'm done with that shit. Uh, we'll give you like it's Bollywood. We'll give you like five million quid. All right, fuck it, Connor. <laughs> like literally, I can't find anything other than the IMDb thing. In the trivia, it says in May 2013, Original Entertainment confirmed to have sealed a five-picture deal with Millennium Films to produce Bollywood remakes of Rambo, The Expendables, 16 Blocks, 88 Minutes, and Brooklyn's Finest. <laughs> yeah, Bollywood do some fucking mental remakes. It's Bollywood weird. Expendables <laughs> sounds fun. Yeah, <laughs> Bollywood Expendables does sound fun. I'll, I'll look forward to the dance numbers in that. <laughs> um, what else have we got news-wise? Oh, um, uh, Spider-Man's back in the MCU. Whatever. What was cool. Yeah, it's like the the, the 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 least surprising news in in Hollywood. That was always gonna happen, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's been he's been thing. doing a lot of commercials. There's people on Reddit talking about this Rambo thing. Oh, it must be true then. I'm sorry, I've I fucking this is. I feel like I'm dreaming. I feel like it, it's one of those things that, like you say, it might not happen. It, it might be that a producer, a producer has managed to call him and get like a, a, an assistant has gone, yeah, I'll call you back, and they've gone, well, that's a lock. <laughs> uh, but I, I would just, it, it, it would get me to watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. Because at least, at least if I'm watching a Rambo thing where I have no idea what the fuck's going on for three and a half, four hours, at least it's gonna look good. True, true. You did a couple of episodes of The Tick. You did. Hey. He made a film about... Uh, he made a Wally film Wally for Wally Wally Fester, we love you. Hey, you. Wally Wally, Wally Fester, Wally Wally Fester loves us too. Ooh, Wally Wally Fester. Wally <laughs> <laughs> no, you need, to fi- you need to finish that. Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, carry on. <laughs> Trailers. <laughs> yes. Um. So, uh, I think the one I'm most hyped about this week, uh, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. Mm. Like, fucking yes, please, a thousand percent, yes, please. As soon as Hugh Grant started doing that voice, I was in. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, mental though. Can you imagine going back to um to like 1999 when Lockstock came out and going right jump forward 20 years 
and Hugh Grant is going to be in a Guy Ritchie film. And Doing it's a Michael Caine voice. Yeah. And it's it's not going to be to save his career, and everybody is going to be really, really fucking happy about it. <laughs> I just... The weird, sorry. the weird thing about the trailer, though, is it reminds you that, actually, Charlie Hunnam is at his worst when he's doing his real voice. Yeah. <laughs> Every time Charlie Hunnam speaks with his actual voice, I'm like, why can you not do your own voice? Yeah, that's what I mean. like, it's like he's forgotten how to speak with a British accent. Yeah. And he just keeps slipping into his Sons of Anarchy accent. Yeah. I, I, he has explained this before in an interview. In yeah, but the, nobody could understand him. So. In the, he, he, he literally said he has no idea what his own accent is anymore. Because he's like, he, he's like, sorry, go on. Chris Bale, yeah. He was born in London. Yeah. Uh, grew up until he was about 11 in Newcastle, then moved to the Lakes, and then when he was 19, moved to LA. And basically, I have no idea what my normal voice sounds like anymore. I was going to say he's like Christopher Lambert in Highlander, where he's like, where are you from? Lots of different places. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you Scottish or American? What is that? It, it just like with that facial hair as well, it just feels like he's playing dress up. It's really, and the thing is, Hugh Grant looks like he's playing dress up, but he kind of pulls it off. Charlie Hunnam playing dress up, it's like, no, I mean, it's weird how, how much the, the weak link he looks here. It, it but, does. It does look like Guy, like Guy Ritchie has gone right. I want to make a film like I that I'm known for, like that proper London gangsters film. Right. Who have we got that is British? I need one American. I need a load of British guys, and all of them need to be really fucking handsome. Right. Go out and find me them. It's. I. I. I think it looks fucking great. It does. The, the, you see, the thing is, it's purely like I love Guy Ritchie. Despite Charlie Hunnam, I like I like Charlie Hunnam. Despite Charlie Hunnam, um, <laughs> I like I love ev- I love Colin Farrell. Um, I love everybody in. I love Matthew McConaughey. I love I love everybody in this. So I'm just a thousand percent on board for this. It just looks like a just great night out, and I can't wait. And I'm, I want to say, yeah, it opens on New Year's Day, oh. and it's just the four of Getting up late-ish and just catching a mid-afternoon one of this with a bit of a hangover just sounds like the best fucking thing to me. Mm. I, Oh, my word. Yeah, I am highly, highly in. Becky, I'm intrigued. What do you what you thought of this? I'm I'm not as excited as you three. (laughs) I'll put it put it that way. Um, it, I mean, it looks it looks fine. Charlie Hunnam's accent really distracted me in my first watch of the trailer. That that just really confused me. And I'm not a massive fan of Guy Ritchie films, so it's not really aimed at me. I suppose it's not cinema, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, it it just doesn't. The trailers are fucking mess as well. It's chaotic. I've got. <laughs> It is chaotic. What's your point? That's it. I was like, what did I just watch? No, it was more that you were just confused constantly by Charlie Hunnam's voice in it, you kept saying. That was really distracting. (laughs) And if you 
trailer knowing that his trailer his voice is just gonna be wrong. And then that might be all right. Yeah. The thing is, it's it's almost as if like if you if I was directing Charlie Hunnam, I would just find out where he grew up and where he was from and and all that side of things, and I'd just go, all right, I want you to play this like, and then I'd just read his biography back to him, and he'd go, <laughs> all right, I get it, and then he's, he'd be perfect. He, it's just he doesn't know what his own voice is, but if we could just make that his character, if we make him his, he'd probably find it. <laughs> Playing with the tapes of people that came from where he grew up. Mm. Might, you know, might, might rediscover his identity. <laughs> or just make him American and stuff. His American exactly. accent. Like, yeah. his, his American accent's absolutely fine, so just stick with that. Yeah. Stop trying to make him British filmmakers. Stop trying to make him the nationality he is. Yeah, exactly. Clearly, you fucks. He doesn't identify as that anymore. Self identifies as American. Yeah, oh, and he has for a while, hasn't he? He has for most of his life, yeah. yeah. Okay. He's pretty. I mean, that's that's the main thing here, isn't it? He's a good-looking man. Yeah, that, that, that's all we need to know. Yeah. Um, we've also uh, segueing from Guy Ritchie had the next trailer for Matthew Vaughan's The King's Men, the uh, prequel to Kingsman that I don't think anybody asked for, but looks more interesting than you'd imagine Kingsman 3 would be. Mm. I haven't seen this. It's basically like World War Kingsman. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, alright then. I'll watch Matthew Vaughan do that for a couple hours. Why not? With Ray Fiennes in the Colin Firth role. It's a bit yeah. of a it's a bit it, of an odd one, isn't it? <laughs> it's an odd one. It's not like I don't know if I'm looking forward to it, but that might be a good thing. That might turn out to be a good thing because I'm gonna watch it. So yeah, I, I, I'm gonna watch it, but it does it does feel a little bit like a like 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 a rip off of Kingsman <laughs> set in a different time. Like it's a straight. It feels like a Netflix original. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, they can- Sorry, they clearly want to give the they, sorry. Just they clearly want to give. I've not read the Kingsman uh, comic book, the Mark Millar book, but uh, I mean they clearly want to give it. They clearly want to give this franchise a little bit of um, heritage and a little bit of uh, backstory, and I'm fine with that because I like both the Kingsman films. Um, I, it's that weird thing though. I can't. I can't. I can't imagine it's going to do that well. It's not. There can't be that many people banging down the door for a for a Kingsman three, let alone a, a prequel that lets us know how these last two films that most people have kind of forgotten about at this point. You know what I mean? It just it's an odd choice. Which is I don't, it's a it's weird what happened though because the first Kingsman kind of came out like a bolt from the blue and people were really into it and I, I the, the first one I think is really really fun and then you got the second mm-hmm. one which. I'll be honest, I liked it the first time round. I'm, I'm very, very dubious about giving it another crack because I've got yeah. a feeling I'll turn on it. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I remember there being a lot wrong with it. I Reese Fans plays Rasputin in it. Yeah. And he looks exactly like Alan Moore, weirdly. Um, he does, doesn't he? I was... Yeah. Uh... 
I, I, I was kind of like, I, I had to be convinced by Ian to watch Kingsman because we were covering Kingsman 2. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Kingsman. Uh, and then was very much looking forward to Kingsman 2. Uh, I've seen it twice now. And I, I actually liked Kingsman 2 more the second time and I really liked it the first time. Mm. Um, but it's too long. But again, the first Kingsman's too long as well. Um, but yeah, it, it does, like you say, it, it's just... It seems to be that that they they've gone well. Do you know what the second one? People didn't like it as much as the first, but it still made basically the same amount of money. So fuck it. Well, that's yeah. Cinema kind of. It's it, it's it's things. not, but that's the way these things happen. <laughs> I mean, it, it it it's one of those Disney Fox hangover films where it feels like if Disney were in charge of Fox when this was getting greenlit then it probably wouldn't have happened but mm. now it is there they'll they'll make the best fist of it and i know matthew vaughn said he wants to do a kingsman free and and polish things off and I, i'll be honest i've got a feeling there's going to be some stuff in here which is going to directly lead to kingsman free um you know it's like vaughn's way of like basically trying to like backdoor pilot the third one um but we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see it, it losing you a little bit there Ian. I'm sorry hello yeah I, I can still hear you now yeah yeah we all back yeah 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 Mark can you hear I can just about hear you mate yeah yeah okay um all right so segueing on from World War Kingsman to World War Sam Mendes uh 1917 which i have a boner for this film yeah you do don't you? you're really really up for this aren't you i um i really really like what sam mendez can do on screen i really really like what roger deakins can do on screen and i am very 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 up for a seemingly single take men on a mission through world war one film i am a little bit worried that it might overreg the somber um you know i want this to be thrilling and heart pounding and world war one was horrible and we all know that world war one was horrible and i to be honest i hope this is kind of more weirdly optimistic uh we shall see but yes i have a boner for this film cool anybody else no no boners i am watching the trailer currently for the first time i hadn't watched it it's much better than i expected much more interesting than i expected and it's a very good trailer as well like the actual mm. trailer's good which is nice I all of it, it, it Sam Mendes, the fact that it's a like it's a, it's a first world war movie, uh it's shot by Roger Deakins, all that, I I'm like, right, that's that should be ticking all the boxes. And then I just look at the cast and go, it's just such a BBC drama cast. It is a BBC drama. Mm. And that just makes me go, really Benedict Cumberbatch that is the least original piece of casting but I think all, you've got Colin, Firth, these... oh, Colin Firth is in it as well Richard Batten oh, I, I don't care on that guy. 
But aside from the central two, all these fuckers will probably be in it for like 10 minutes tops. That, that, that's it. I, I, it's it's that that I can't get past. And I, I will go and see it and I'm, and I'm sure it'll be fantastic because Sam Mendes is a great filmmaker. And like you say, Deacons make beautiful looking films. And it's a really interesting idea. It's just, it's not inspiring me to go to get excited about it yet. Is it shot in that really bleak colour palette that all World War One and World War Two movies are shot in? No, it's not actually. You know, it's colourful. It, it, it's got a, a certain way about it. Yeah, that is quite interesting. Now, Roger Deakins was quoted as saying that he really liked what they did with Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. All right. A Thor Ragnarok World War One movie. I, I could do that. It's definitely not the kind of film that I would get excited about, but... Judging by obviously the uh, the pedigree and that trailer, it's one that I'd probably, if I give it the time of day, I might I might enjoy that. But it's this hard to feel, get excited about. This feels like one where for you, Noel, where I have films where I wouldn't go and see them in the cinema unless I had my unlimited card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it, it's if I one, if I if I get if I get the spare time and this is kind of all. Well, I don't want to say all that's on, but if this is on and I've got the spare time and I go and see it, I'll probably really enjoy this at the cinema. If it comes off the cinema, I'll never see it in my entire life. Just, I just, I won't be, I won't ever feel compelled to just press that button and yeah. click it on. So maybe I'll make the time. Another thing that's making me go, all right, that's fucking interesting. It's under two hours long. That's good. It's an hour fifty. I mean that that's the thing. I'm thinking like unless they cheat and they get knocked out by a bomb or something and like wake up a few hours later, the fuck is real time. It has to be because it's all like a seemingly single take. Yeah. But I bet that's I bet that's what they do. I bet that's what they do. They get knocked unconscious by something and then it's able to skip forward like twelve hours. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right on that one. So we'll see. Um, okay, what else have we got? Um, oh, the personal history of David Copperfield, new Armando Iannucci one. Fine. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, does anyone have anything to say about that? No. No. Nah. Um, okay, Six Underground, uh, one of Netflix's big uh, pushes for December. Uh, Michael Bay directed Ryan Reynolds' starring thing, and it looks like exactly that, which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> you said something offensive. I can't go out of the room, <laughs> and I'm fucking with absolute silence. Is uh, Ian said Michael Bay? Uh, oh right, okay, <laughs> fair. <laughs> Um, it's interesting that Michael Bay has got a film that's coming out on Netflix. I think that is the interesting take to take from this, in that Michael Bay has made an awful lot of money for studios, and studios are given an awful lot of money to continue making movies, but it seems like, critically, nobody wants to go and see a, a Michael Bay film, whereas... I actually really like Pain and Gain. I think it's a it's a much maligned movie that's actually just about batshit crazy enough to work. I love Pain and Gain. I love it. it, it, it it's, yep. it's great, and I like the fact that it pissed off so many people, and people can't even really work out why it pissed them off. Um, 
But I, I, the thing is, it's. Would I be excited to go and watch this in the cinema? I'm not sure. Am I looking forward to sitting at home and watching it? Fuck yes. Yeah. That's exactly that's, it. This comes out like the Friday before Christmas or something like that. It's, it, it's the it's the bright spot, isn't it? It's the yeah okay. It's the it's it, yeah it's the the bright and uh, weirdly bird box slot. Bird box was um, in there because they originally wanted to put the Irishman in there, and then Scorsese was like, yeah, it's not ready. Uh, give me like, another two years, guys. Yeah, it's like, it's like shit. What have we got? What have we got? Uh, I, I have an Adam Sandler movie or a Sandra Bullock one. I'll take the Bullock one. We'll go with the Bullock one. Everyone, we've got Miss Congeniality 3. We're going to put that on it before Christmas. It's about what? Yeah. I mean, it, it's Netflix, man. They are going so fucking hard over the next few months. It's, you know, the, the stuff that they've got on at LFF at the moment. I mean, like, you've got some proper Oscar botherers there uncut gems outside of the u.s is a netflix mm. film so that is going to be immense um you know six underground it just they've got they've got a lot of stuff and a lot of good looking stuff um and, and you know just selfishly one of the great things about it is they've got a lot of oscar botherers that are going to come out the same time worldwide so we can actually fucking talk about them at end of the year time uh, which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it just, it looks like a big expensive Michael Bay fun thing. You know, why the fuck not? And then next year we get Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot and the rock in a big expensive Netflix fun thing. That's fine. I, if every Christmas we get a big expensive Netflix fun thing with Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds, I'm kind of up mm. for that. Yeah. yeah. What was it Becky, you were saying the, the, the next Ryan Reynolds movie is going to be? I don't one. think it. I don't think it's the next one. But have you have you guys seen anything about this free guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds yeah. fucking amazing. I will watch the shit out. Of that. It does sound what very really, interesting. What an amazing concept. <laughs> it sounds so much fun. You have to explain the concept now because people who don't know it will just be there going, what? Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so basically, Ryan Reynolds plays a non-player character in a video game um, that works as a, a bank teller, I think it is, yeah. or a bank manager or something, um, and realises something's wrong with the situation because banks getting robbed like 17 times a day and gradually becomes sentient. <laughs> which, which, in your brain, with Ryan Reynolds, you kind of know how that's already going to run. <laughs> it, it, what, what a good idea. Yeah. And Tiger Waititi's in it. No, oh, the Jojo Rabbit guy. <laughs> You're gonna be so fucking sniffy about Jojo Rabbit. I love it. The closer it gets, like the the the, the more time goes by, the more concerned I am that it's I, just gonna be what it looks yeah. like in the trailer. <laughs> I, I, I'm so relieved by the fact that that film is not universally praised. I, I, I the thing is. I, I really want to see Jojo Rabbit now because I really want it to be. I, I don't want it to not be what it is in my head right now. I really, really want it to not be that. I have never wanted to like a movie so much as I am wanting to like Jojo Rabbit. If it is just a cuddly Hitler movie, I'm, I'm, I'm not on board with that. No. If it is just, and I'm really worried it's going to be. If it is just a cuddly Hitler movie and... and that one minute of Taiki Waititi doing different poses for the press outside the premiere of it is making me go, 
oh, I really want to like this guy as well. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. We'll see. The, the thing is, can't, I don't want to begrudge Taika Waititi's success. He's been around for so fucking long. And just over the last few years seems to have managed to just break out. That it is like good on him. But I yeah, I there's it's weird to say that there's a risk with a director getting overexposed. But it kind of feels like what might happen. I mean, you got free guy next year. I think the suicide squad is next year as well. Uh he's he's looking to have this next goal wins film um next year as well. And, you know, like, fair fucking play. The dude knows he's hot and he's working. But, you, I, yeah, I hope I hope it doesn't lead to an, a, 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 a backlash. Yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, nope. Birds of Prey. Shit. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, I will watch this, though I, I, I there are definitely concerns. I didn't like the trailer when I watched it at home on my TV. I thought it looked it looked like a straight to DVD um, sequel to Suicide Squad. Um, Y'all just hate us because it's all women. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, <laughs> I also thought the most interesting bit of it looked like uh, you and McGregor. Um, it's because you're not working. Yeah, because I'm not working. Enough, no. uh, I thought it looked like a chaotic fucking mess. I don't know why Margot Robbie is doing that much and she's talking like that. All the time. As if everything is some kind of weird phrase. That bugged the shit out of me. And I saw it in the cinema and was like, oh, no, that fucking works. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I love the chaotic energy of this trailer. Like, it, 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 it looks delightful. It's going to be a piece of shit. Yeah. Or a lot of fucking fun. It's not going to be seven out of ten. <laughs> I, I think it could quite easily be a piece of shit that's a lot of fun. It, it joins my <laughs> the most. Tank Girl. You love Tank Girl. I do love Tank Girl. <laughs> so get on board, bitch. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm really not sure, Mia. I don't know, man. I'm a bit concerned about this. The main thing for me is I think uh, I think Margot Robbie on her own doing this for, for two hours it's, it's going to grate. It grates in the trailer. And the other thing is, is every other character that is in the trailer just disappears out of your brain. And, and just, I don't, my concern is that they're going to focus too much on Harley Quinn, which is going to get annoying and overexpose that character. And they're not going to, they're not going to give any real thought to the other characters. It just, I don't know. It's, it's not sitting well with me, this one. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, it's like you said, Mark. That 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 was my exact response to it. It feels like a a a, a director video, um, Suicide Squad sequel, and I I was hoping that DC was moving away from its existing films and pushing into fresher territory. And and you know, by all means, take Harley Quinn because it was a big she was a big hit and people liked her, even though people who didn't like the film. Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad liked her, so by all means take her and build something around her. But I just it feels too much. It just feels too stylistically close to the other one. The jokes kind of don't land for me, and 
everybody looks kind of boring apart from Harley Quinn. So I just, I don't know what's there. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's directed by Kathy Yan, who's directed one film previously, a film called Dead Pigs, which is literally not available anywhere, but was on the online screener library for LFF last year. And I knew she was directing this and I just didn't get round to watching it. Um, and one film which is unreleased worldwide and she's got a DC film. Yeah. That her agent fucking congrats. <laughs> it, it, it is it is mental. It's not like it, it's it's not like she's been like a writer on things and has has written like three or four other DC properties or anything like that. So she's you know there's been a, a time put in that she literally she's done nothing. Like she's 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 directed some short films. She's produced some short films and she was an associate producer on a on a documentary none of which I've heard of. She's done... How the hell did this happen? That's very strange. I mean, fair play to her. I hope yeah. it's great. But, um, yeah, well, it's, it just seems it, it, really strange. It's an odd thing. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's an odd thing for, for a filmmaker, like you say, Ian, who literally has nothing and then has a $100 million movie. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, but then, I mean, in the end of the day, Margot Robbie like, play, like, plays a very, very big hand in this stuff. And also, good on her. Um, you know, she kind of came out of nowhere as well and seems to have a fair bit of sway. And, you know, she's using it. I mean, I, the marketing for this film, I think, is really interesting. The, po- the posters are great and they're attention-grabbing. Um and just this whole the Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. You know, you could go, oh, fuck off. Or you could just go, oh, do, do you know what? They, they're they obviously having fun with this. Go on then. You know, I mean... See, like, the weird thing is, is I did respond well to the title when when the title came out. I was a bit like, oh, all right, yeah, man, this sounds like a, they're, they're, they're taking it and being fun with it and they're going to do some quirky stuff with her character and hearing about them, you know, building a team around her that all appeals and i i didn't hate the harley quinn character i quite liked the harley quinn character from suicide squad but it's just now that i'm seeing it it feels tired and i don't feel like they're doing much around her to 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 make it more interesting it it does however have rosie perez in it which i'm always happy to see (laughs) what do you mean posey juarez posey juarez yes Oh, okay. Monkey is going to bed. Love you, kiddo. You come here. Do you want to say anything? No, Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Love you. Night night. Um, right. I need to move downstairs. So um, I've just got to work out how I'm going to do this. I've got a drink in one hand. I've got a Yeti mic in another. And then I'm going to carry my laptop with the other. There we go. Let's We're going. Just, let's just listen. Let's just listen because this could be great. <laughs> oh fuck! It's gonna be crashing in a minute, won't we? Oh, don't say that. <laughs> Hang about. So, oh, Joker. Watch out for the stairs, Ian. You be quiet. Joker. 
is directed by Todd Phillips. Oh, God, my legs are... Um, sorry. Um, and stars Joaquin Phoenix, um, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beats, Mark Marin, um, Francis Conroy, and others. Um, so, Joker, I think everybody knows what, it, what it's about. I'm going to leave it to our comic book correspondent to kick us off and relax. No, what did you think of Joker? Right, well, uh, okay. It's going to be interesting to see how everybody falls on this. Um, I think probably, unfortunately, you've picked me a day too early to ask me my opinion on this. So I left okay. the... What, 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 uh, yeah. Sorry, what do you mean by that? Well, right, so I left the set, I left. I went to see this on Friday morning and I was very, 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 very high on it. Um, and, I, and I absolutely adored it and loved it and I couldn't stop thinking about it and talking about it. I don't listen to reviews. I don't listen to, I'm barely on Twitter and social media anymore. So I, I was sort of shielded from everything that everything that everybody was saying about it a little bit. So I had this amazing experience with it. And now I've been watching a lot of reviews and stuff like that. And I'm starting to see some of the weaknesses that other people are saying. Some of the things that people are saying about it, I'm a little bit like, oh, all right, I can see how you'd think that. Now, at the moment, none of those weaknesses bother me, and I still think I really, 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 really like it. But I'm going to go see it again tomorrow just to confirm that I really, really like it. So so I'm going to say I absolutely adored it, but um, I just feel like I need that second viewing just to sort of, just so I can come out the other side and go, it's almost a bit like, it's almost a bit like with the when I went to see A Star Is Born and I loved it so much and I was a bit like I just need to go back and see it again just to make sure. Um, so I feel like I'm in that sort of space at the moment. But I mean, as far as that first viewing is concerned, I think it's probably and I think I said this to you, Ian. It's the most. It's probably the most physical um, reaction I think I've ever had to a film. Like I was, I was, I was laughing and, and 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 dying inside and sort of wanting to burst into tears and there's there's certain scenes in it that just physically made my chest hurt um, just watching. Um, so as far as the experience of it and coming out of it and being and you know and just dying to talk about it and just find other people to talk to about it. Um, it's been amazing. I just, I feel like I just need to see it again, just to, just to galvanize my opinion on it. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll take your, uh, we'll take your first view of opinion. All good. Um, Becky Joker. Um, it's yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a weird one. It's definitely not a, a, a Joker movie in the, in the traditional sense of the word, I guess you could put it. Like it's not it's not what you'd expect really from a Joker movie based on what what's come previously. It's I said to you didn't after we came out, it was really weird because I was watching it thinking, oh yeah, it's it's a great character study about a man sort of gradually descending into, you know, blah blah blah. But it it doesn't feel like a Joker movie. He doesn't feel like the Joker. It could be anyone. But then when he actually eventually that that final flip he he just he embodies everything that you kind of 
all the traits that you'd expect from the Joker, he becomes the Joker very, very suddenly after not really being. Um, and it becomes, I mean, the, the, the initial section of the film before that, where it's a, where it's a character study and people being shitty to him and all this kind of stuff, it, you know, it's depressing and it's it's awful and you kind of like, well, do you know what? Yeah, his reactions are a bit over the top, but people are really crappy to him. But it, it feels, it does feel like it could be anyone. But then once it does, once it does turn, um, I do, I, the, the, the criticisms that it kind of makes you empathise with him and, and people might think, oh, well, I've been through that, so it's OK. <clears throat> I don't think it gives off that vibe at all, because even though you've watched him go through all this stuff, you're still like, yeah, mate, that's that's too far. <laughs> like, you're, none of his none of his sort of things that he does in the latter part of the movie, things that you go, oh, yeah, that's completely justified. Yeah, he should have gone on there and done that. Yeah, you should have killed his mother in a bed. None of that's kind of. <laughs> Don't you shake your head. You shouldn't have killed his mother in a bed. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I think that criticism that's been levelled at it is is incorrect completely because you do kind of. You don't. You're not with him on that. Just for clarity, just the the, critis, the criticisms I'm talking about, I'll get onto in a minute. I don't mean anything like that. It's not. It's not the sort of. Performance-wise, I thought I thought everyone was fantastic in it, to be fair. I don't think it was a weak performance. Okay, Noel. Uh, sorry, not Noel. Noel has spoken. Mark? It's, um, it's Mark Nick, this movie, really, isn't it? Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a broken man story that is about my favourite comic book character, um, made by a director that I love, um, and starring one of well my favourite actor in the era. Uh, that is a homage to to Scorsese movies, um, two in particular, Taxi Driver and, and, and King of Comedy. Um, Add to that into it the whole. I think I it's everyone kind of like challenging and saying to you, um, you can't like this, can't like this. Add this weird level of um, of kind of like controversy and and um, I'm hoping Noel's gonna know what I mean when I'm saying this. But there was this there was this thing in the um, in the, the late 80s and the early 90s where there was a selection of films that you weren't allowed to see that were banned that you couldn't see and it was like it just made you fucking want to watch them even more um and you kind of you got a thrill out of going right fuck i'm gonna see i'm gonna see these movies that that, that, you, that you couldn't watch and then when the the bbfc laxed things and started releasing things like the exorcist that was previously banned came out and and yeah and then a lot of and I spit on your grave and things like this that were banned started becoming available and it was like fuck I'm gonna see this and they might have been crap but you still you got to see them and it was like it, it was like that and I'm not saying this is anywhere near to that level but it was there was people foaming at the mouth and the thrall behind it just made me go right, that just makes me want to see it even fucking more um and I never got it's almost this- it's it's that little spell of. Sorry, I was just going to say, it's that little spell of films as well, like Henry and Reservoir yeah. Dogs and Natural Born Killers, where they didn't really get them banned, but 
it took the films a while to get out because of the controversy around them and it was just enough to build a little bit more like rabid attention for them they they became like notoriety films Mm. um out there and there was you can't you know you're never going to get that again it nowadays the closest thing we got we got to it in modern times was a serbian film for instance um and then but with a lot of them they're they're often crap and the, the main hook they have is something massively controversial so it was it was going to be interesting to go into this and see what it was massively controversial and it's a it's quite a, a a disturbing film to watch in ways, but not in a a visual way. More in a, it's an incredibly uncomfortable film to yeah. watch. It's an incredibly oppressive film to watch. It it, it it pins you in your seat in a different way to being thrilled. You are the opposite of thrilled. <laughs> if let's say something like um, Infinity War pins you in your seat from being enthralled and thrilled by it, this pins you in your seat by going. I kind of want this to end now, but it's just what I'm seeing is, I, I thought, you know, um, that uh, Lauren Scher and Tom Phillips have created a, a beautifully horrible movie. Um, I I loved it. Um, absolutely. I, I was absolutely fascinated and hand, can I, heartbroken throughout it. It's, you summed it up, Bex. It, it is the only time, I think, in cinema where you've had somebody walking into a glass door and it's a clown doing it and it's not fucking funny at all. It's horrible. Yeah, your heart breaks for him, doesn't it? And it's just like, oh, fucking hell. And it, there's all of that. Um, And then I, I do have criticisms of it. Like Noel, I want to go and see it again for two reasons. One, to see if it is just that I'm high on the fact that it, it exists. Yeah. Um, and two, I just want to fucking watch it again. Yeah, that's exactly the same for me. Yeah, all the argument about all the things that he does, it's, it's redundant because he was in the hospital the whole time. Well, well, we'll get to that, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get to that. And which, you're which, just fucking grinning at me now. Cause... <laughs> which, which, is, which is why he fantasizes about having a relationship with that woman and then fantasizes realizing that he didn't have a relationship with her which is what i said to becky yeah you see because that's because his mental state is getting like it's deteriorating and he's starting to have like self-doubt so his brain is then turning on him right Ian, you, look you're, you're all potentially you're all potentially right but i disagree with you yeah <laughs> um Ian, you better say your bit otherwise i will literally just continue talking until people physically stop me from talking okay i don't think that'd stop me no, probably not. <laughs> um yeah i mean it, it's it's quite the experience um there's a guy in front of me who was laughing pretty much all the way through it uh which i found really unnerving um and he kind of had an effect on me more than a lot of what was going on on screen weirdly it's odd i was very very high on it walking out of it but the more i thought about it i think it i I think it's a really 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 good film i do 
I think it looks amazing. It's a fucking film. Um, it looks amazing. It's daring. It is provocative in potentially ways which I, I, I let's just say now the the use of the Gary Glitter song, assuming that was used knowing who Gary Glitter was and if Phillips was basically trying to be controversial, I think that makes the rest of the film lesser as a result, because I'd like to think that he was taking everything seriously. And if he was using that song just to push buttons, it makes me think he was not taking everything seriously. I think Joaquin Phoenix is, um, that his performance is stunning. Um, I, 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 the, the Zazie Beats character, I liked that the film wrong-footed me because I was thinking it's really fucking weird that she's just with him and we've barely had any time with her whatsoever. At which point, which point did you think that? What? At which it, point did you, did you think that? The kiss for me. What? Was it, did it, did, as, as soon as the kiss yeah. happened, I was like, this doesn't what? make sense. Yes, that, that was exactly it. It wasn't for me. I, I, like the kiss, I kind of thought, this is this. Oh, but the, the bit that, that made me go, hang on a minute, are they they're just like together. Then this is this can't be right. Was it the hospital? It was the hospital bit, and I was like, this is the summit here. And then, and and then the bit, and I'm sorry to jump in here a second here. Uh, the bit where he walks into her room and we find out he's not. The minute he started walking in of that towards it, I was like. Oh, that's what it is. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, but the thing is, I I just thought it was bad screenwriting up to that point. You know, it was like, I'm just, what the fuck is this? This is really, really underdeveloped. This is just odd. Um, and then the way that that scene ends, it just, it feels like that character was entirely there to have a shocking scene and okay you don't see anything it's all it, it, it it's all inferred um but I, it's margaret agrees with me that he did anything to her well th- I, I i think you're supposed to think that he did um i, I didn't I, that didn't even cross my mind to be honest yeah that's really weird then isn't it because yeah. i'm the same as you know I, it, it didn't cross my mind at all but but you two both ian i'm pointing at ian but you two both um you, you two both think that that's that's really weird that well otherwise what he just like fucking walks out yeah yeah i don't think he was in that play i don't i can't i, I, don't I mean i'm basing i'm basing this not on what the film showed you but what i knew about that character at that point and yeah. i don't feel that that character at that point would take the life of a mother of a young girl. I mean, yeah. the joke that we know him to end up being, yeah, of course, why not? But, that, that, what, what, but, but then why have that, that, that didn't feel like a natural? I mean, what what he ended up doing at the end of the film was the point where he'd been driven to something, and he, you know, even even the line of dialogue that he delivers when he shoots De Niro through the head, you get what you deserve. It's not about careless murdering random people. He's no, doing this because he feels that this person is. He, he went on that show to kill himself, and he says now he sees something in this guy, and he goes, "Actually, no, you, you're the guy who can die. Fuck you, and everything that you stand for." I don't think up until that point 
he would have just murdered but this woman that he was he, kind of in love with. He says later on in the film that it makes him feel better. But I think, I think that's what I think he no, made that was, he was still talking. The, the other clown, for instance. I don't know. For me, it's it's the, the, that I, final delusion that that links into the world breaking down and being tangibly proven to be wrong. I, I, by the way, can I just point out? I don't think that you're wrong. I question why I question why Phillips has that in there at all. If we're not supposed to think that, if that, I think it's, it's just. I think, isn't it just it, to it, confirm? It, sorry, go on. Are you saying because it, the, specifically the scene where he goes into her, the, her room? I, I just think that he, he just, I think he just feels he needs some kind of connection to something. And then I think he almost knows that it's not real, but he just, he just needs something that isn't the shit of his own life. If he wasn't still deluded at that point, he wouldn't go to her apartment. If he knew that there wasn't actually anything between blah, blah, blah. I think, no, I, I, think, I, think I think it's... it's a, I think it's exactly the same for him as it is for us as the audience. I think it's the moment where he's proving to himself and proving to us. It's the moment where it's the moment where we go. I mean, because my experience of this is this is what I was going to say. Like I uh, that flip. I'm not the type of person who watches a film and is trying to think 20 minutes in advance as to as to what's going to happen next. So I tend not to. Like twists always tend to get me, but yeah. I'd watched Taxi Driver a few days beforehand and had the very same, you know, very similar conversation with with Mark and, and Ian about that last scene. Mm-hmm. So the moment that he walked into that room and kissed her, something in my head clicked and it, it was like a little file opened and then closed again. And then I carried on watching the film. So when he comes back into that room and sits down and she walks in, Oh, sorry. She walks. You can hear her in the sort of kids' bedroom. I was already thinking at that point. Oh shit! Yeah, you remember that thing that that that, that little light that flicked on before? This is what you're gonna get now. So then, when it happened, it was like a confirmation of what I already sort of thought. And I think in the scene, it's kind of a confirmation for him. There's so much in his life that is some of this is real and some of it's fantasy. This is him confirming to himself. No, actually, I don't have anything with this person, and it's not real, and it is in my head. It just it it felt to me it felt like a gotcha moment. It it it, it I didn't see the narrative purpose there. Um, it I mean I think there's more interesting things going on in terms of perception with the mum and the relationship or not with thomas wayne and whether he's the like actually like batman's brother essentially you know i that stuff i thought was more interesting and it's more it's more tricksy and it's more involving and it's more emotionally engaging because it's his mum not just a random woman he's started having a relationship with and i don't say that reductively that character is random woman and, you know, I mean, obviously, given it, essentially the relationships in his mind, that makes sense. But I. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I just that, that that whole that whole section of it, thinking on it just makes me feel a bit uneasy and it feels beneath the rest of the film to me. I think for me, it connects to it connects to the the 
the film being his all about his perspective all about his perspective and i think even the the ambiguity around um the thomas wayne stuff like a lot of well not a lot of but i've heard a little bit of criticism about how oh well you know the character of thomas wayne is supposed is is supposed to be this um you know a righteous um person who wants to save gotham and do the best for gotham and stuff and and actually in this film he is um he's not the 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 righteous philanthropist he's a an unrighteous um guy who has potentially kept this family down and been horrible to this woman and you know he punches the joker in the fact and he's he's you know he's he's the rich guy that 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 society that that the people who sort of you know the people or the clowns of gotham city they want to take him down because he symbolizes the one percent and stuff like that now you can say all that you can say all that about this character but actually this is just the perspective of of arthur fleck and that character we're looking at that character through arthur fleck's eyes we're looking at everything in this film through arthur fleck's eyes so that ambiguity connects to his mental state and that positioning of this guy as a bad guy connects to his mental state and and how some things seem more real than others to him it just sort of all more feels connected to me and and i think the 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 zazie beat stuff connects to that too it's she is just a random woman but she's just a random woman who he has chosen to obsess over and obsess over to a point where he's fantasizing um a relationship with her so yes she is a random woman but she just happens to be a woman who lives nearby to him that has gotten into his head it's not about her it's it's about him and and i know that's kind of the problem for a lot of people but it's a film about him is a film about joker it's a film about arthur flex not about um, yeah i mean I'm, I'm yeah i mean i'm not saying that i want 20 minutes of zazie beats in her life or anything like that it just it for what it i don't think it really adds anything to the story and it just feels like again if it, it feels like a, a potentially provocative moment of did he just kill a young mother and kid or not in a film which feels to me an awful lot smarter and it makes me think maybe on rewatch the bloom will come off the rose for me a bit and i i I love the fact that you guys loved it as much as you did but i i i already see the sheen coming off for me a little bit here but i i said i said earlier on that i wasn't going to talk that much because i know you guys were super positive on it and i don't want to be a debbie downer about it it just those are my issues with it but i think that a lot of a lot of what else it does right it it, it does it does right and i mean the ending is chilling i think what they do with the the whole murder of batman's parents stuff feels completely organic here it feels mm. natural um and, and the, the the world building of of the thing is is quite something as well even though I, I will also say didn't really need super rats. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the eighties, wasn't it? So, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a moral panic. It's a panic in the streets. You don't super rats. You don't get super cats. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's like, I don't know you, Ian, you, you mentioned this guy that was in the cinema who was laughing. 
we had a bit of laughing in our cinema as well. I, I laughed quite a few times. I think I did find parts of it quite funny. And so a lot of the time it was nervous laughter. And a lot of the time it was, I'd laugh at something and then go, oh no, I'm not supposed to, I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh at that. And, and actually Claire said the same thing when afterwards. And, you know, she had a lot to say about the film as well, which was, which was great. Um, all positive and, 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 you know, a lot to talk about as well. But she said the same thing. She said, I found myself in moments like laughing at things and then feeling guilty about laughing and then not knowing whether I was supposed to laugh or not, uh, but not in a bad way. Like it just, you know, she kept, she was thinking about what she was experiencing while she was watching it. And I, I have to think in a film that anchors so much of itself in, you know, a character who has a very strange relationship with his own sense of humour has to be that has to be intentional like it, it just has to be but i mean that, that, so there was one moment that, that really sticks in my mind um i forgot to say this film also stars should have been should have won for best supporting actor at the oscars earlier this year brian tyree henry but brian tyree henry he is that clerk in uh in the, the arkham asylum mm. and he said he's like looking through the fire he's like you said you're her son and the guy in front of me just burst out laughing like it was the funniest fucking thing he's ever heard. That's fun. Well, well that's that's choice. And like then it was just, I, I, I just, I, I looked at him and I, I almost, almost tapped him on the shoulder and said, I'm intrigued as to why that's funny. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a person who, who laughs who can find amusement in weird things so will laugh out of place in a cinema but that's just an odd one maybe he's got the same thing maybe he laughs crazily when he feels uncomfortable just it maybe i don't know the thing is um i think it was i think that was kind of um yourself ian or it was you know who said it it was a very odd experience watching this film knowing what film you were going to watch with a more blockbustery audience. We had a really well-behaved audience. It was well-behaved, but there wasn't. There was an awful lot of nervous laughter. Yeah, we had a bit of that. Yeah. Isn't that the point? No, I, I, I just think it was. I just found that that comment seemed to. I, I did. I thought about it in that way. Um, so was it? I think it was you here when you said it. Wasn't it? About what? Sorry. About it being a, um, it was weird watching that film in a blockbuster audience. Oh God, yeah, no, I mean it's. Um, I I don't. I wonder if this is the film that people think they're going to get. But then again, the trailer does sell this film very well. It's yeah. not like the trailer is full of action sequences and I, you know. I think, but I think people think Joker film, quite what movie. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But I mean, the the, the film itself, it set it sets out its stall. All it, it's not faking what it is. It just so happens to be a a film about a guy with severe mental trauma, which happens to be the origin of the Joker. Even I mean, like if if you were to have a criticism of the film as well, if this is an origin of Joker, I don't necessarily it's almost like you'd need another film to see just how he becomes the clown prince of crime. Because right now he's just a 
almost a symbol by accident. And he has that speech. He has the speech at the end about how people are horrible these days and nobody's nice to each other. Um, and it, I, I, I don't know. It's like, what, what is he, what is he actually trying to convey? Because all the stuff he he does is really not nice. And it's like that 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 speech that he has on the talk show, and then in the film, ten minutes later there's like the gang of people all appreciating him and him doing that big smile thing. I mean, I appreciate it's he's finally found an audience, but again, I don't quite connect the, why aren't people nice to each other anymore? And him almost celebrating all this chaos around him. It, I, I, I'm sorry. Like I said, it just, it, it, I'm just talking about it now. And it's like, that bit doesn't really make sense to me either. I think it's just that he he's found an audience. That's the way I see it. He's he's found his he's found his audience. He's he's appreciated and he exists now. I, he, yeah, he is. Yeah, well, he's seen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Sorry, I, I just hate that phrase, but um, you know, it, like I think it's just he's he's found his audience. He's found his place. I don't feel that this is. I don't feel that by the end of this film necessarily we have the fully fledged Joker that goes on. And this goes back to what I was saying about the Zazie beats. Did he murder or did he, did he not think I don't, this doesn't feel like the, the fully completely unhinged, um, meticulous psychopath that the Joker is. But then having said that, I think in the grand tradition of Joker stories, this isn't the Joker film. This is a Joker film. Yeah, and this is a Joker origin. DC could turn around tomorrow yeah. and go, "Yeah, that was just a guy." It doesn't um, even necessarily need to have been the Joker. Todd, I Todd, feel that they, I don't Todd, necessarily Todd. feel that this is the character that we get in the comic in the comics completely. Right, but at yeah, the same totally time, fair. totally fair. But yeah. at the same time, as far as audiences are concerned, this this film doesn't make a hundred million dollars at the box office because people are going to see a broken man film. It makes a hundred million dollars at the box office because they're going to see a Joker film. So. Todd Phillips has come out and said that it's to him. It's not, it's not necessarily, he's not saying this is, that is the origin of the Joker. It's now that he goes up and become the Joker. It's it almost like he becomes something that could maybe inspire the Joker or something like that. He's, he, he, he wasn't making a, he wasn't making a Joker origin film. It was a film. Yeah. It was a, right, what if we did this and set this in a real life situation where we don't have, uh, we don't have gadgets and we don't have this and we just, we do this with it. And that's what I, we understand. That's the thing is, that's, that is the Joker's origin now, both in the comics hmm. and even in film now. We understand the Joker's origin to be, and when I say we, I mean people like us. We understand the Joker's origin to be that it's uh, it's transient and it may or may not be true, and it's different, and it depends who you ask. Like we know that from the comics, and we've had that in the films. To general audiences, this is the Joker film, and that's what they will take away from it. But you know, it's nice that they've taken this approach, and this is you know this is what I'll go on to say about what this means for comics but movies it's nice that they've taken this character to take this approach and just go hey you know what this is a version of this story mm. it would be it, it's i'll say yeah you know, i am infinitely more interested if dc decide to just go 
do you know what? Our canon is open for people, yeah. for, for, for writers, for directors to come to us and go, I've got a really interesting idea for this character. Right, write it and we'll have a look and we'll just drop it and go, that's it. That is, it's a one-off, there you go. And it's that. That is so much more interesting than a forced upon DC. If they can grow the balls to do that on the back of this, they will absolutely kill it. And they that that is their opportunity to differentiate themselves from Marvel. It, it is. That is just absolutely the way to go. It yeah. is. It would it, be the right way to go. And I think the fact that it's the fact it's made so much its opening weekend. Yeah. Um, and it's it's already made a shitload of money. It's made uh, twice its budget already. It was what was it, fifty million and more? It's made what two hundred thirty yeah. million. It's it, it already for them goes right. Well, it, it hopefully it will be a right. Fuck it. What can we do next? Yeah. What, what we don't want is them going right. You, you guy there. I want you to make a X movie. I want you to make a Y movie. I want you to make that. And it, it, it grows unorganically. It's got to be stories that, that people have an idea for rather than just a scattergun approach to everything again. Well, it's, it's Batman's DC. Batman's DC, and that, that, that's, it, it seems like that is a, a standalone Batman. But in the same way, they're taking an interest, they're taking a different angle on it. Yeah, they, they're doing it as, they're, they're doing it rather than as a Batman movie. Yeah. It's, a, it's a world's greatest detective movie. Yeah. It's it, it what it's being thrown at us as. But yeah, I mean, it, it, but just sort of in this context, it sounds like they've, they've come up, they've come up with a really interesting premise for a Joker movie. Mm-hmm. They've followed through on a really interesting premise for a Joker movie. It sounds like they're doing the same with the Batman. Mm. I think, well, I think with the Batman, the difference is they're just they're being they're keeping their options open a little bit more. I think. Mm-hmm. I think with the Joker, I think with this film, they've been quite clear about, you know, and we know that 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 Joaquin Phoenix has been put off other franchises because he doesn't want he doesn't want to sign multi-film deals mm. so i think they've been very clear about this one being a one-off I, I whereas probably... i think with the batman one they'll leave it open a little bit if 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 there's call for a sequel we'll get a sequel a lot quicker than we would if there was call for a sequel to this i think yeah it, it literally whacking phoenix point when he agreed to do it it was on the proviso that that right do not ask me to make another one because i won't simply mm. as that a ton basically said but neither will I. I've got this. We've got this story, and that's that's enough for us. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's. Um, I don't know what you would do with a sequel to this because it would just. It would be okay. So you you show him growing into the role. Yeah, and, and I don't I don't want a sequel to it. No, I don't. It's, but... it's, it's but at the same time, it is. <laughs> it is, it's perfect as it is, and I definitely don't want a sequel. But when Thomas Wayne punches him in the face and says, don't you ever touch my son again, or stay away from my son, or whatever it is he says, I'm, I'm just like going, oh, I'm never going to get to see this Joker fight the Batman. <laughs> like, I'm never going to get to see that. So at the same time, it's painful, but but no. We don't need another. We don't need a sequel. But to be fair, it would be a Joker who is what in his sixties or seventies. Well, I mean, Jack Nicholson was was pretty old. <laughs> the first the Joker's always been a bit older than Batman. I don't. I, I wouldn't. 
you know, and and if it's a one-off film, it, it it could just be one. I mean, it's not going to happen, so it doesn't matter. But um, I don't <laughs> think that'll be too much of an issue, to be honest. Well, no, I mean, like obviously last night we greenlit um, Batman Hush. Now fuck me in the ass. Um, starring Lily James and Vanessa Kirby with Robert Pattinson. What? Of course. It was Becky. It was more stream of consciousness than that. Don't listen to him. To be fair, Bex, basically what happened is I had a psychotic episode and spent about three minutes just spamming (laughs) Batman porn titles at them. I think it was Hush Now... No, Hush Now Fuck My Ass I, I was my favourite. <laughs> but what was it? It was Vanessa Kirby as Catwoman and Lily James as Poison Ivy. Yeah. Did this stem out of the conversation about um, Rihanna being cast as Poison Ivy? Yeah, the fake news I fell for. Yeah, and then I said Vanessa Kirby as Catwoman. And then, quite and then frankly, it, and then my, to, yeah, yeah, my my balls exploded, and um, yeah, I had to apologise. <laughs> anyway, just uh, yeah, can I list some high points and low points, or yes. just one high point and one low point? So yeah, I think we need to move away from that immediately. So please <laughs> do know. The, first off, something that that I loved in particular, uh, two scenes that I loved in particular, um, f- kind of for different reasons, sort of. Uh, there was two of the comedy club scenes. So the first comedy club scene um, where he, um, oh sorry, no, the, yeah, all right, the first comedy club scene where he's sat and he's watching and he's taking notes um and so there's an there's a comedian on stage and apparently it's a real comedian i don't know who it is um and he's sat there and the audience are laughing and when the audience are laughing he's writing things down he's just sort of you can see his eyes flickering around the room like why is that funny but he sort of carries on laughing it's very very just beautifully subtly done and then there's moments where the comedian will say something like you know so so anyway i walked into this shop and he'll <laughs> and he'll laugh and just watching that moment just the camera just going in on him and watching him laugh at the wrong things and then look confused when everybody else is laughing at the stuff that is a joke was just beautifully done um the whole thing in fact around his nervous laughter and laughing at the wrong things and having to force himself to laugh at things that he knows he's supposed to be laughing at i just thought the way they dealt with all of that was just absolutely brilliant um but then the second scene in the in the comedy club which we now know is is partially sort of heightened because he imagines az beats his character in there um where he walks out on stage and he actually does his performance and he, he gets up on stage and he, you can see the nervous laughter kicking in and you can see him laughing i swear to god i was just i, I had a i had this pain in my chest while i was watching it i was just I, I, I mean, I was a bit slightly hungover and a bit tired. Might have had something to do with it, but I, I felt like I was having a mini heart attack just watching it. Just it was fucking 
really, really like visceral. Um, so those those two scenes, those club scenes, just just the best thing I've seen this year. Um, the one thing that I could have done without myself and Ian, you sort of touched on it briefly, is if 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 Mini Bruce Wayne slides down a bat, slides down a pole, then I'm going to enjoy that little Easter egg. But then <clears throat> to see uh, Martha and Thomas Wayne murdered again in the in the street behind the cinema playing Zorro and the pearls i just there was a there was a more subtle way to do that and i just don't think that we needed to see it as clearly as that even if we'd have seen them walk around the corner into crime alley and then somebody would have just slipped around the corner we didn't need to see the actual murder again it just it felt like it almost felt like the film that we'd been watching which was a joker film and not the joker film they just felt like they had to just ram that in there just at the end. And I kind of could have done without it or, or, you know, just saw it dealt with a little bit more subtly. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, I liked the way that it just set up this whole, there was a reason like Thomas Wayne was seen as the, as a fucking dickhead, which I thought was a, a really interesting choice because I've only really been exposed to cinematic versions of Batman. So to have a Thomas Wayne who is not the, you know, the, not the figure in Batman Begins, who uh, who's this like the, a, a paragon, uh, and instead you got this guy who just it does seem like a bit of a fucking rich guy who doesn't really like the people. You know, what does it calls calls them? Like, yeah yeah that's that yeah duh of course he does you know so i like the way that they actually set that up that ideologically the joker kills thomas wayne even though it's not the joker directly yeah, yeah. and you know the the if they were to do more in this universe that is a really interesting psychological reason for bruce wayne to like pick up the mantle but then there's you know you could warp it slightly because it's almost like you could have like a a dark batman who's almost like a rich vigilante who uses his money to persecute poor people you know if you wanted to go that far it just i i like the way they fuck with it and yes it you see you see it again but it's not the almost perverted glee that it's done with at the start of batman versus superman you know it's like fucking look at this gun shaft going back and forth look at those pearls fall in slow motion while Zack snyder's fucking jerking off to the thought of gun crime it's It's not i think it's just it's just that that scene is now so familiar that I just feel like the subtlety of everything else in this film didn't match the the you know the nail on the head ending of seeing the gun, the pearls, the cinema, the alley. Like it just that you know the 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 boy on his knees in the with the moonlight across the sort of wet alleyway. It just 
it's just too familiar now. Like it, it's just been done too many times. And I, and I, I, I get it. And, and I agree with you. The fact that, you know, the Joker caused something that led to the death of, 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 um, uh, of the Waynes. Presumably that's Joe Chill who actually did kill. Mm. Um, presumably that is him. The fact that it, it, it led to that. Great, that's fine. No, I like that. That's fine. I just felt the actual visual elements of the scene were just too much. And if there was a nicer, simpler way of us just seeing them walk down the road, uh, sorry, seeing them walk down the alleyway and then seeing somebody, that person even just slip around the corner, as we saw, um, if they'd had just left it there, or, you know, maybe we heard a gun, it panned away and we heard a gunshot. I don't know. Just felt like there was a, just a simpler way to do it that that didn't just hammer home that imagery that I've seen so many times before. Yeah, I mean, I just I like I like it's, it's weird that now I'm defending it when I've been shitting on it, relatively speaking. But I like the way that it makes clear that it's they have targeted Thomas Wayne. Like, it is is this not like the first interpretation where it's like they like Joe Chill actually knows who he's killing and there's a reason um, for it. did he did he did he see him and spot him and say because he said he, he's i swear he says something to him it's mm. like this is further blah, 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 blah. Uh, mark becky help me out yeah, Any he, idea? He, he, he does he knows he, he knows identifies thomas wayne yeah he, I can't, uh, can't that's fine yeah no that's he says, i have like just, a, like i say i have no issue with the way they are treating how the Wayne parents are murdered. I, I like yeah. the way that that is literally the it's depiction of the, the visuals. I yeah. just don't need to see those visuals again. So, I mean, like for you, would it have been like, he says the line, it acknowledges it. It's Thomas Wayne. You hear a gunshot and it cuts away or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Or it, yeah. Or it cuts away and there's a flash of a gunshot and, and you hear it. I don't know. It just, it, it, there's just some, I mean, we've seen that, that particular scene, we've seen it in TV versions of Batman at this point. We've seen it in animated versions of Batman a dozen times. It's it's just a bit too iconic to uh, to add in again. It, you know, nothing ever really changes with the scene. The way the characters are dressed, the pearls, the just the the lighting, it always just feels the same. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. a craft beer junkie do you eagerly anticipate the freshest ipa release from your local craft brewer do you check in every beer you've ever had on untapped do you know the difference between a belgian triple and a berliner weisse then do we have a podcast for you what's untapped podcast gives you beer reviews interviews with brewers behind the scenes access to beer festivals games and more whether you're a craft beer junkie or new to the world of craft brewing what's untapped podcast is something for you Check us out online, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and now we are podsyndicate.com. And as always, keep drinking, you dum-dums. Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? putting four or five year olds in front of this movie it's like if they didn't know what death was before all this they're gonna know it after it they're gonna know it after it and they're gonna be freaking terrified and they're gonna be questioning you yeah or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold dead heart 
yeah, the Dark Knight has got like all the orphans and like, oh no, we're gonna die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, I was like, kill them. Then look no further. The His Film, Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it's, a, it's a minor thing. It's a, it's a minor thing. Yeah, no, no. I mean, to be fair, if that's if that's like your big criticism of the film, then thrillingly, it sounds like it worked for you, which is great. Um, well, the only other potential criticism of the film that I've got is that um, is that it does so heavily lean on on its influences. I think, and that's what I wanna I wanna watch it again to confirm all of the things that I like about it, but also, you know, it does borrow very heavily from two particular sources. And, um, uh, and, and I, and I wonder if I, I wonder if that's, I, I don't think it's a massive problem, but it's a, cons- that's a lot of the Chris, uh, some of the criticism that I've heard of it is a bit like, well, you know, if you strip away this, then it's just this and this mixed together. And, um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see if that's a problem for me again. Mm. Any any more thoughts, guys? Kind of sounds like we might be wrapping it up. Yeah, no, no, I think yeah, I think I think we are. Just out, just out of interest, though, Mark, on that point, does yeah. that bother you? The, the like the proximity of this film to that's, yeah, of comedy point. and Taxi Driver, does it bother you? Uh, no, it, it, it doesn't. Uh, it didn't bother me, actually, really, uh, to be honest, because I think it... It didn't bother me then, but I'm worried that it's going to bother me next time. I don't, think it, I don't think it will, I think, because the weird thing was, um, while I was watching it, um, I, I thought, right, I can, see, I can see cues of Taxi Driver within it, but it's, it's more closely um, related to... It's more closely linked to King of Comedy. Than it is Taxi Driver. The weird thing was we'd watched Taxi Driver before we watched Joker and watched King of Comedy afterwards. Um, and then when I was watching King of Comedy, I was then going, ah, actually, it's it's not as 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 heavy as I actually thought it was um, while I was watching Joker, in the sense that King of Comedy is it's a comedy. It's a comedy film. And I don't think at any point this is putting across as it being a, a, a comedy in, in any way. There's there's absolute certain cues and influences that are there, but I can I, I, I think that they're they're well handled and I can absolutely live with them and, and, and pick them out. And I do think it's it's homage rather than outright ripoff. I think and if 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 you're pointing at it and saying, yeah, but it's just a rip-off of this, this, and this. It's like, right, with anything that homages, you can say that it's rip-off of this, this, and this. It just means that it's not worked for you. I think totally it's closer to Taxi Driver than it is. Here. Totally it is a lot closer to Taxi Driver, certainly, yeah. And, and visually, like visually, yeah. visually, it is. The, the idea of um, it, the fact that they're... Because let's face it, Taxi Driver is all set in New York. Um, and... Gotham essentially is 
it is New York. Um, and then having things like the, um, for instance, Taxi Driver was made during the garbage strikes yeah, and the sanitation strikes mm. and having that as a backdrop to this because it's not it's not actually a backdrop in taxi driver but visually it's everywhere mm. it's not a part yeah, of taxi yeah. driver but visually you're seeing it everywhere because it was shot in 75 when the sanitation strikes were happening and in a heat wave and in a heat wave and then literally they've gone fuck it right gotham city and um it's gonna be a sanitation strike. It's gonna be during a fucking heat wave, and it, it it's interesting that, that they've done a deep dive into into that. Mm-hmm. It is is really quite quite fascinating. The fact that for the start of it, there is so many fucking yellow taxis there that at one point I was thinking, fucking hell, wouldn't it be weird if you saw a fucking Bickle driving by in a fucking taxi? And then I had to go, wait a minute, no, it's not New York. It's Gotham, completely fucking place. Um, the thing is, I think. It, it, he obviously he wanted to take tonally from taxi driver he wanted to borrow from it and instead of going oh what if people think they're copying he's just gone fucking ball deep with it right if people are going to think we're copying let's just homage the shit well, out can, of it can i point out as well that that scorsese himself literally rips off movies and literally has shots for instance the taxi driver has one i point out to you didn't yeah. i um the um aspirin dissolving in the glass is ripped off from a French New Wave movie. I can't remember the movie off the top of my head right now. But the literally the exact shot it, it, it is a homage. It, it, it's a rip off. He, he's done it loads of times. Um, the the screen going red during um, Cape Fear mm. is ripped off from a Curacao movie that again escapes me which one it is. Um, there's there's a lot of these that happen where. Fuck it, Tarantino literally sews together films that he sees and likes and makes a fucking film out of it. Um, I'd, I'd, compare, I'd compare stuff like that, though, to... Like, I've always thought that there's a comparison between filmmakers that do that, like Tarantino, like Scorsese, filmmakers that do that, and you know how sometimes rappers, like, drop in lines of other... like familiar lines of other rappers it's a, yeah. it's a mark of respect thing it's not you know if if like jay-z's 99 problems is based on an ice tea tune called 99 yeah. problems and it's not that he ripped that song off it's a mark of respect it's like it's uh, or even like the wu-tang clan do it so much where they'll just like you know they'll borrow a line from somewhere else. Or Snoop Dogg does it quite a lot as well. They'll just borrow a line from another rapper and put it in their song. They're not ripping off that line because they think it's a great line. It, it's it, just it, their nod to them. Yeah, it, it, yeah that's it exactly. It, and it, I it, think it, a lot of filmmakers do that. It's not, you know, I don't see it as being, I don't see anything like that as being a rip off. Um, yeah, it's, I was just curious as to know if, if, if I think, the I think proximity the, of some of the the scenes. I think, I think that literally what, what. Um, Maybe the, the the genesis of of how Phillips came up with the idea of of, of making a Joker movie mm. was was maybe sat around with a, a few mates and, and he went fucking hell. Imagine if, if if these movies, these comic movies, were being made in in the fucking seventies when we grew up loving movies and got into it. What the fuck would a, a a Martin Scorsese fucking Joker movie look like? Holy shit, we should fucking make that. That's probably what happened. And then yeah. when 
but no, no, let us make it. And then it's gone, holy shit, they're letting us fucking make it. <laughs> this is mental. And it's it's not, um, I mean, if we're moving on or moving into sort of like talking about um, Taxi Driver and, and King of Comedy, there, um, it's, it's inescapable to watch Taxi Driver now and not look at it and go, holy shit, can you imagine if that fucker came out now? If you yeah. think that the furore and the, that is going on with, with the Joker now, can you imagine what it would be? Harvey Keitel saying, you can do what you want. You can come in a pussy, you can come in a ass, you can come in a mouth, you can do whatever, about a 12 and a half year old girl. And also, as well, have you seen what a 44, seen what a 44 Magnum would, would, would do to a woman's face? Have you seen what a 44 Magnum would, would do to a woman's pussy? Now, that you've got to see. And it's the fucking director fucking saying it. It, it just, we say this a lot. These movies don't get, can't get made anymore. No. This movie, Taxi Driver, could not get made anymore. And it is one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> it's insane. It's. It's a movie that I think the more, every time you watch it, you're reminded of how fucking good it is. Mm. Mm, definitely. It is, yeah, come on, sorry. I'll let someone else talk now. I think they've gone. No, I'm no, just no. listening. <laughs> yeah. I, I asked a question. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw it in there now. I asked a question, um, which was, what movie made you fall in love with cinema? Um, now are we talking cinema or cinema? In either, both. It should be both. Jurassic Park. That's it. But the, the movie that made me fall in love with the act of going to the cinema, and actually cinema itself, the pretentious wankery that I'm going to talk about, was Taxi Driver. That's why I asked the question. It, it was Taxi Driver. That was the movie that made me go, holy fucking shit, this is something else. And literally, nowadays we have the internet and we can we can look over things. I had a book that was that went up to I think nineteen I think it went up to Cape Fear, um, which gave an in depth detailed look into every single Robert De Niro movie and how he approached the character and all of this lot. And I had a book that had all that, and I fucking read through all of that. And I was reading about these movies that at the time I thought, well, I'm never going to get to see that. I'm never going to get to see Bang the Drum Slowly. Um, and then all of a sudden I fucking did get to see Bang the Drum Slowly because it comes out on DVD. <laughs> uh, but at the time, you, you never expected to have this much access to everything. No. Um, and it's it, it, it's it, it's a fucking wonderful world we live in. But then you do get to go back to things like Taxi Driver or King of Comedy. And you're looking at going... King of Comedy is available for fucking free, effectively, on your Prime. I know you pay for it, but you know what I mean. Mm. And it's just like, I'm still baffled people still haven't seen it. I'm just I trying just... to think. I can't think. I can't I can't really think what the one film was that changed things. Return really of the Living Dead to... 3, surely. Well, yeah, obviously. But, I mean, you know. Um, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like my my film obsession came from films, not cinema. Like I think for me, like the format was the format that made me love films or movies or, or whatever you want to call it was was 
own video and VHS. So it wasn't about cinema and cinema in in the Martin Scorsese sense of cinema. It was it was more film and consumption. Obviously, there were films that would that are classed as cinema that I fell in love. I don't think it was those. I think it was just. I don't think it was individual cinematic movies that made me one day go, "I love cinema." I think it was just like I watched a lot of films because I liked watching a lot of films. Uh, for me, yeah, it, 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 it's not necessarily cinema as in at the cinema because I've always had un- until our recent revelation of front rowing it. Yeah, I've always had a troubled relationship with the cinema because I fucking hate people um the the movie that made me fall in love with watching films as an experience I, I know you're probably gonna like not appreciate my response but probably the princess bride mm. just the whole experience of watching that movie and the format of it just it it, it like it was it's so immersive because it's he's telling the story and then it takes you into the story and it's like it drags you in um and then probably the film that made me sort of fall in love with like cinema uh as a thing to change the way you think and change your outlook on the world and challenge you and stuff like that oddly enough because i fucking hated it when we first watched it, it was probably casualties of war wow that's a i can help <laughs> Because it, 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 it made me reevaluate. I, I hated it taught you. me for a week. I hated you for putting that film on. And then gradually, as, as I kind of realised, well, hang on, no, you don't hate Mark. You hate that this stuff happened and that you've seen it. And it, it just made me it reevaluate. Affected you. It, it made me reevaluate my relationship with the movie watching experience. <laughs> as wanky as that sounds. Tax driver made me want to have a Mohawk. Yeah. Yeah. And a, and a gun on a slider because that fucking thing on his arm. It 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 it's it, uh, uh, maybe at the time I watched it I was thinking maybe I might be at fine with the wrong person. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm ever so sorry, but I just went for a wee, so I've kind of um, lost where we were there. You need to do your what made you fall. Ian doesn't love cinema. He's oh, in okay. Jurassic Park. Oh. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, fuck yeah, Jurassic Park. You said it was such a throwaway kind of answer that I thought you were joking. Not that yeah. it's a jokey answer, but Jurassic Park's my shit. Is it you? It was it, it was a it was a huge deal, Jurassic Park. Yeah. I, I remember going to see Jurassic Park and it literally people were queuing out of the cinema and like down the fucking road to see it. Mental I mean like people were queuing for hours just to get into a screen. We had a in a view Whereas it was literally playing all 12 screens. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I remember that. That's one of the few movies that my parents actually took me to see at the cinema. I've been, went to, I've been to the cinema before that with other people, but not, not really my parents. My mum took me to see Bloody Land Before Time. That fucking broke me. That's a fucking cruel thing to do, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, giant dinosaurs, yeah. All oh, right. Giant baby dinosaurs, yeah. Watch one cry. Horrible film. Yeah, didn't like it. Um, go on, what's someone else's feelings towards King of Comedy and Taxi Driver? Um, I could, I, I, I couldn't get through the, the whole of King of Comedy. What? Um, couldn't get through. 
yeah, like it just it made me too edgy. Like I just I I I don't know. Like I it maybe I just wasn't in the mood, but I literally just he's Rupert Popkin. He's just so fucking like del- kind of deluded, but with the occasional moments of knowing what he is. But it just it made me really uncomfortable, and I I I just couldn't do it. I, I've seen it before, but like. Which did you get up to this time? Um, uh, pretty early doors, to be fair. Kind of like when he's having that like dream conversation with um Jerry about um taking over the show. Oh yeah. And like his mum shouting at him, and it just the way that in his dream. He's giving Jerry a hard time about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is, it's Pumpkins. It, it, it's like he wants all of this, but instantly, the minute he sees him getting it, he turns into a prick straight away. Yeah, yeah uh, it, it's, it's such a weird one. It's, I'll be honest with you. I think I think this is my favorite De Niro character of 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 all, of all time. I fucking I think Rupert Pumpkin is just fascinating to watch he's just his insistence and his you know the way he reacts to other people who are basically doing the same thing that he's doing like the way he treats sandra bernhardt's character yeah that you know he's as soon as he gets an inch as soon as he gets an inch with um uh with is it jerry with jerry um you know the way and even what you're saying there and with with that scene the way he changes and the way he's just like you know, look, I suppose Jerry, he doesn't want to be bothered with, with, with all this type of thing. He just, he's brilliant. And the way he, um, the way he acts in the scene that, and this is what I was saying, that the similarities sort of like, cause Joker has this scene as well, where the way he acts in the scene where he's recreating being on the talk show in his, in his own room, well, his bedroom or his, his, his cellar or whatever it is. Um, the way he acts and the way he talks to Jerry, really sort of night show performance that people do the sitting down and buttoning your jacket and the sort of like looking around and laughing and sort of shaking hands and hugging people and going oh no you're terrible oh no god like just that way of of performing but sort of pretending to act naturally as well it's just really fascinating to watch it's the Nero's second favorite character he's ever played as well after yeah uh, after jack walsh from midnight run right yeah, yeah, but that's it. He said it's it's. He said he found it more difficult to play um, Rupert Popkin than he did any of his other characters. He said because it's not. He said crazy is easier to play uh, when it's manic crazy. He said it's insane is is more difficult to play. <laughs> he, said, mm. he said that's. He said it was just so odd. But like you were saying there, but it's Sandra Bernard is is just this fucking chaotic. She's a delight. Yeah. Mentalness in it is is, and the the, the fucking the tel- the facilitator into the to, to the chair. <laughs> when she's talking to him and she's got him pegged to the chair and he's just like looking, just at, looking like, at her. I, I I do always think that Jerry Lewis is, is the unsung hero of that movie. He's so, yeah. so well. He's he's so good and it was like apparently um the. The film finished. Scorsese has said it, it's one of the only films I've ever made um, that finished 
we finished shooting early. And he said that the reason why he said every single take that Jerry Lewis did was perfect, pretty much first time, because he said he's just he's so good and such a professional that everything was just right. I want you to do this, this, and this, and he just did it straight away. It was like, oh. He got pissed off with Scorsese, didn't he? Because he was insisting on him being on on set for all the shooting, even when he wasn't being used. Yeah. Keeping him waiting around for ages. Just to wind him up. And then insisted, right, will you either pay me for all the time I'm here, not just when I'm working, or you get me in when you need me? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he was just, literally Scorsese was just doing it to wind him up. Not to wind him up, to wind Jerry Lewis up, but to wind him up because he thought it'd help with the character being tense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I really like that there's a scene towards, um, towards the end as well where Jerry's with the police. And the police, you know, there's there's the sort of the main police guy, and that is like, you can tell he just he just thinks this guy's a dick, and he's trying to sort of bust his balls and stuff like that. The way Jerry is with the police, where he's just so insistent and just sort of like, you know, no, I need you to do this, and then the police are like, all right, well we'll do that, but you need to tell us where we need to tell us where he is, and he's like, no, no, I can't do that, no, I need you to, and he's just he just will not budge, like this is his chance and the police are going to do exactly as he says. And it doesn't matter that they're in charge and it doesn't matter that he's a criminal and dot, dot, dot. He's just like, no, this is the way it's going to be. And I'm going to just how sort of calm and like he's, he's holding all the crazy in because he's fixed his mind on this and this is the way it's going to be. And everything's matter of fact. And no, no, no. So when when they're saying about, um, okay, the studio and and he's just like, well, I guess Jerry's going to die then. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. Oh, fuck, I need to watch the rest of this, don't I? I, so I really good. need to it's watch so the rest of this. That's, it. it's, it's, that's a, just a great line. Well, I just guess Jerry's going to die. It's his face when he does it. Yeah, it's that perfect Nero face that you get that's that sort of, well, no, you know, so like just that sort of nodding. Sort of, it's, that kind of matter-of-fact. Yeah, just, yeah. This is, this is what it is kind of yeah he acknowledges that he's it's what it is there isn't anything anybody can do about it like you yeah. know the fellow's face mm, yeah 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 he, he knows he's getting arrested he knows he's fucked himself he's gonna get what he wants out of it for having fucked himself yeah. there has to be a yeah. payoff for him that, 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 that's it. It, it's, it it's more that they don't understand they're trying to threaten him and he's like no i'm fine yeah i'm fully I, aware that this is yeah. all yeah <laughs> it's yeah, uh, it, it's it's an absolute treat of a movie. I, I'd completely forgotten how good Sarah Bernhardt's in it because in memory it gets overshadowed by the fact that De Niro's fantastic in it. But she, she's she's a really good... And she absolutely has him by the balls. He does what she says. She, yeah, she can manipulate him really easily. Yeah. yeah. The other thing as well that, that I think is all about this, it's a PG yeah there's no profanity in it it's a pg well i mean that's the thing this was made this is a film that's made back in the days where kidnapping someone and holding them to ransom and tying them to a chair and all that that was more of a caper wasn't it it wasn't like quite quite as serious back then yep it's it's mental that that this is a pg and you know and the fact that and maybe this is because i watched king of comedy before rewatching Taxi Driver and obviously before Joker, the ending of King of Comedy 
the fact that he gets, you know, he does a little bit of time, sure, but he gets his career on the back of it and he gets the comedy career on the back of it. Like, I wonder, is there an interpretation of this film where that didn't happen and that's in his head? Or, I mean, because we kind of, we see the book, don't we? We see the... I'm, I didn't read it that way. I'm just wondering if there is a reading of it. That's that. I think there could be. I don't. I don't think it bears out as. as no. So. There's not. There's not as much evidence for it. Is there? No. Yeah. No. Oh, I enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> did, did we? Did we want to talk about Taxi Driver? I'm very mindful of the time. Yeah, so am I. And I, 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 I've said my bit. It, it, it's it's absolutely magnificent. Uh, Sybil Shepherd is just an absolute oh. delight in it. She is. She's <laughs> mesmerising. It's faces in it though. Um, Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's only in it very, very briefly, but he's a piece of shit. Is he what is he is. <laughs> Well, it's a great performance. Oh yeah, he's great as an absolute piece of shit. Oh yeah. yeah. It, it's a it's a role Harvey Keitel can play well. <laughs> it's the reveal of Harvey Keitel that I like as well, though the way sort of like because he thinks I think I think there's a certain I think there's you know he's got a picture in his, in his head of who her pimp is, and then when he sort of like you know he steps up to that stoop and it's Harvey Keitel, it's just this sort of like skinny vested guy in a ridiculously oversized hat and really ridiculous long hair there's just this reveal where you sort of go oh it's oh it's harvey Keitel in a weird wig what the fuck <laughs> the, the, the great bit is um because you know where he, he he literally is just still stood there and harvey Keitel keeps prodding him going go on, yeah. go on, go on. Go on then. <laughs> literally um apparently off screen um Scorsese just is just laughing his arse off because nobody's told De Niro to do that, and De Niro just did it because he thought I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this because I think Bickle might do this, and Keitel just didn't know how long it was gonna go on for, and yeah. if you notice, Keitel keeps looking to the side and he's looking at Scorsese as if to say, what what do I do? Scorsese this again? <laughs> going, keep going. It's the same as the you talk it to me, bit. It's not in the script. It's not part of the film, really. It's De Niro dicking about, and all the noise you can hear in the background is the lighting guy setting up the shot. Well, I, I read something about that actually. That it was a tactic he was taught by his acting coach to, yeah. to deliver a line in like numerous different ways to kind of get a feel for it and how you want to do it in the in the shot. And yeah. then they just kept it all. And Scorsese just happened to be happened to have it running yeah. there. Um, while it was going, and I said all the clattering is them setting up the lighting for the next fucking shot, and Scorsese was like, no, we've got to fucking keep this. I like I, I like the fact that with Taxi Driver, it literally feels like it's just episodes in this guy's life, and it might might well be that beforehand he went a bit mad and shaved off all his fucking hair and tried to kill a presidential candidate. And this is just occurrence number 37 in the life of Travis Bickle. And you're just watching this particular thing, like listening to the commentary. And it's saying at the end that 
essentially he's reset himself you know he's like he's had this cathartic experience and now he's reset himself but now it's going to tick 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 and it's just going to build up again and it feels like this is just like an unappreciated guy who just goes through these waves of building to something and then it like ebbing and flowing um it's just that the, the way that this might not actually be an extraordinary period in Travis Bickle's life it might just be how he lives he just, time, yeah 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 I I I I think that interpretation is really interesting and I mean it was amazing how we were talking the what in the, the the whatsapp chat about theories on the ending and then Scorsese is so emphatic at the end of this commentary just going yeah this is all real this all happened and essentially it's all going to happen again yeah yeah, see, that's what I got off it. Yeah. But what? Well, it was all real. It was all real, and then the he has this kind of brief moment of quiet, and he's he's, he's sort of all right, and then so just he sees something in his rear view, and just his hackles rise again. Yeah. See, that, yeah, I don't know. I, I like I. It just the way that everything is so perfect in the way that Sybil Shepherd's hair is literally blowing in the back at the end. I which, that's what happens to Sybil Shepherd. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that could well be, or it might just be that the window was open. <laughs> I don't know. Could just be that because he does have the window open. It, it, yeah. Ex- yeah, exactly. You know, it's like building all these theories and it's just like, yeah, it's all real. She had the window open. She, heard about him and almost kind of wanted to give him a chance i don't I mean that that whole interaction at the end is really interesting because it's almost like is it a self-realization on, it, on his part that like it's not gonna work or is it or is it that he's like i'm better than you because i did this thing i'm better than you what could it be i still think it's all in his head and martin scorsese is wrong so <laughs> And I'm gonna I'm prepared to die on that particular hill this evening. Fair enough. Well I I think the thing is is he's like with me it's a case of uh, all films have a level of ambiguity and I choose to believe that this is like I choose to believe that, that that's not real, but in another film I choose to believe like with the Joker ex- example I choose to believe that certain parts of it are real and certain parts of it are not real, but I get to choose. Um, I don't like the version. I prefer the version of the, I prefer the version of taxi driver. I prefer my version of taxi driver where the end of it is, is what he thinks is the, the, the outcome of, of his actions. Um, so just, that's the one I'm going to live with. Sorry, Marty, but, uh, I've decided. So, <laughs> Fair enough. I, I I think you've already shit on Scorsese enough tonight. No, we're not <laughs> doing that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Okay. So, Noel, should we bid you adieu at this stage? Indeed. I'm gonna. I've got donuts to eat. I've got so many donuts to eat, and I just I'm not gonna get through them unless I go now. So, um, so I'll, I'll bid you good night and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Nice one. Thank you very much, Noel. Take care, sir. Good night, all. Bye bye. Bye.
Um, total Recall questions, call it quits. Might have to be Total Recall because we've got dinner's very close for us. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, okay, so, sorry, just questions, is it? Oh, it's up to you. I mean, we could do Total Recall next time and do questions now, or we could do Total Recall now and save questions for next time, or... Um, Total Recall's probably going to take longer than questions, isn't it? I think, I think, yeah, I, I, I'll leave that stare up to you guys, but I definitely think Total Recall will take longer. Yeah, it will. Questions? Should we do, you're right, we're doing Total Recall next week? Uh, I am. Uh, yeah. Apologies to... Uh, what we'll do just to make sure that we're doing this right we'll pick if we pick the next patron one on the next show and then do basically two weeks in a row of patron reviews yeah i'm cool with that yeah yeah okay all right that works (laughs) if it's brazil uh so questions let me just find them then apologies like literally we just went a little bit over and it is just to give you an idea it's it's five past ten here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's it's five past ten and we started recording at half seven. So yeah. It's, it's questions, 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 questions. I think questions. four films in one show, especially these types of films, was possibly a little ambitious. Well, I disagree with you there. <laughs> Our question this week is: Which film made you fall in love with cinema? Which we've all answered already. Um, John McGrath uh, says: Jurassic Park made me fall in love with movies. The passion of Joan of Arc made me fall in love with cinema. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yes, I'm that guy. Ha ha. We already knew you were that guy, John. It's worth it. Fuck's back. sake. Um, Rick Kidd at Rick J. Kidd. Raised Lost Ark as a child, but drifted away as a teenager. But Jurassic Park brought me back. Nice. Jurassic Park seems it's a big one, I think, for people of our kind of like generation. Yeah, definitely. Um, the anticipation questions... for that movie going in was, was huge, wasn't it? Like, it was just everywhere. Everyone was psyched for that movie. Oh yeah, it, 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 it was. It was. It was an event. Yeah. One of the big event movies in movie history, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, Rick Kid at Rick J Kid. After Joker, what movie villain doesn't have to be a comic book villain? Would you like to see a gritty origin story about, and who should play them? Hans Gruber. That's good. That. And he shall be played by Matt Berry. <laughs> wow, that's a film. I want Oscar Isaacs playing uh, Kaiser Sosa. But I want Brian Singer to have nothing to do with it. Macquarie can write it, possibly even direct it, but yeah, Oscar Isaacs doing a Kaiser Soze um, origin story. God, I don't know. You've got a God origin story. I mean, I want an alternate alternate reality Thanos story starring Bruce Willis. Sorry, Dex. <laughs> But, but, but is that Bruce Willis when he cares, or just Bruce Willis when he doesn't give a shit? I, 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 <laughs> he just turns up in like his own clothes. <laughs> it's like need to get changed now, Bruce. He's like, no. It's like, well, Thanos wouldn't be wearing that. That'll just go on then. 
just just back onto what you were saying about the whole god thing. I wouldn't mind watching a, a a Lucifer origin story where he starts off as an angel and then you see why he falls and like all that kind who, of who, shit. Who plays him? I don't know. He'd be good. Captain Curry. No, you can't. Cause... He was good as the devil in Legend, though. Bloody what? was good as the devil in Legend. You're right. I, I'm going to go with that. He's still, he's probably still got a costume. Fair enough. I'm fine with that. A young Tim Curry. <laughs> uh, House of Black Lanterns. Uh, okay, then. Having watched Disclosure last night, what is A, your favourite Michael Douglas film, and B, stupidest VR sequence in film? The game. Is your favourite Michael Douglas film? Yeah. Oh, that's a good shout, that. That's why I wanted to get in quick. <sighs> Been thinking about that one today. Stupidest VR... I mean, um, stupidest VR, can I just point out the stupidest VR in film is in Disclosure. I've not seen Disclosure. Oh. Oh. There we go. I'll watch Paper. Right, cool. You, you, you know, it is possible to watch more than one movie. Not, not tonight. We'll not watch Paper tonight anyway. Might do. Why not? Um, I don't know. Like, Lawnmower Man's always felt really hokey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ian, have you seen Disclosure? No. I, 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 you can't I, have it because it's I, the example. No, fuck you, I'm having it. Um, honestly, it is... I don't even want to explain what the uh, the VR sequence is in it because if you, if you watch it or when you watch it, okay, um, you will uh-huh. go, what? <laughs> what? And you will be turned on going, what? Because literally... Disclosure was sold as this sexy, you know, about a, a woman who sexually uh, harasses a guy. It was all about that, and it was all yeah, sexy and all that. Like, it's not. I it's an erotic thriller. No, that's gone in the first fucking twelve minutes, oh. and then it becomes this weird, like, tech film. I don't want to watch that movie. You, you, I don't care. You're watching it. Oh. Um, Favorite Michael Douglas movie. You see, you got the game, which is a good one. Ian, Ian's going to give a good one in a second. Ian, watch yours, and I'll give mine, and you can all look at me and go, oh, man. Is it going to be so much stupid? I want to look at his IMDb and see if I can work out which shit film you're going to pick. All right, while Becky's picking that, go on, Ian, watch yours. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. It kind of feels like Michael Douglas hasn't necessarily been in good things. He's in the game. He, he is in the game. He, he has. He's also an actor that's made less than you would think he has. That's the thing, because I'm finding it hard to think of things that he's been in. The thing is, he, he doesn't count himself as an actor. He counts himself as a producer mm. who occasionally acts in things. For instance, he was producer on um, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Next. That's right, he won an Oscar for that, didn't he? He did, yeah. As a producer, um, he probably even really started acting. Go on, Bex, have you worked out what mine is? You like One Night in the Cold? No. You haven't got far enough down yet, have you? Possibly not, no. Keep going. Well, yeah, I mean, falling down is the yeah, shit. Surely that would actually be your real answer. Uh, no. fucking basic fucking instinct, isn't it? I mean, it should be, but that's my favourite Sharon Stone movie. Black Rain? Nope. There you go. Wall Street? Nope. Oh, Matt. God, it's romancing the stone. It's romancing the stone. 
That's my favourite Michael I, Douglas movie. Uh, it's a really good movie. It's always the jewel of the Nile. I, I wish I could say different ones or anything like that. I, I do, but I'm going to be honest and say, yeah, it's Romance in the Stone. I own Romance in the Stone on iTunes. I'm pure I do. I am absolutely positive I do. I didn't pay three ninety nine for it. I think I paid eight ninety nine or nine ninety nine for it. Do you know why? <laughs> because I wanted to watch it because it's great and I knew that I would get enough rewatch value out of it. I mean, we do watch it fairly often, to be fair. Yeah, because it's great. Worst VR. Are you gonna go with disclosure? Yeah, I'm going with fucking disclosure. What did you go with, Ian? I can't even think. I can't even think of VR sequences apart from Lawnmower Man. What good VR sequences? I think I think I'm gonna get in there early and say the Matrix is the 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 it, it, it's the bar for VR movies. Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Yeah. Superman when you've got the when you've got VR Russell Crowe guiding what's the name Lois Lane around. No, the... that's AR, mate. AR. Yeah, that's augmented reality. Virtual reality is when you've got a fucking like headset on and shit. Yeah. I can't just have it. No. I'm stupid. No. We don't, we have, to, we don't have to pretend hard. You can think better. You can have to fall if you like. That's the end. It's actually been it, but it's not. Alright, I'll have the fall. You can have the mission. No, I'm having disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, a good one as well? It's both good Oh, no, it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Is there a good one? I don't think there is, you know. There is. Yeah, I don't think there is, no. No, I don't think there is. That's that's all the questions we have, by the way. Oh. Apologies for how kind of weirdly low energy this this show has become. However, I, I think we maybe need to set a rule that if we're going to record we record more like six o'clock-ish in the evening as opposed to half seven eight <laughs> well i don't get home till half six so but we can make it that time well there you go I, I i'll be honest i'm fucking tired i've been up since like quarter past five why on earth were you up at quarter past five because there's a child oh yeah no because i had to go to work um Jeez, what time do you start work? I'm doing a lot of overtime at the moment. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, mate. It's, well, pay- it's paying for Christmas and I'm getting free money, so it's worth it. But anyway, I'm enough about that. I'm guessing we're doing Gemini Man next week. Oh, fuck yeah, we are. We're doing smart. Gemini Man. Shut the fuck I up. I want to see it. I don't care. Well, I'll just come off Total Recall then. No, you won't. You're I'm doing... not giving that shit Will Smith film five pounds of my money. It might be good. It will not. It's produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. It's supposed to be a proper fucking 90s style action film. And you love those movies. You do love those movies. You love The Rock. You love Face Off. Do you know what? If it was The Rock in it, facing a younger version of The Rock, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I don't like Will Smith. But don't want to see poor Will Smith puppy eyes crying all the time? No. Well, we're going to go and see it. <laughs> Can't I just read like the, the Wikipedia synopsis? No. Nope. And pretend I've seen it. Nope. 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 You're coming to see it. You guys are the worst. Yep. <laughs> Next, I've got a feeling you might be the one who enjoys it the most out of any of us, to be fair. 
<laughs> I think I'm going to get a minute into the high frame rate version and go, I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to see the 120 frame rate, are you? Yeah. Well, it's... it's uh, this is a whole thing. 120. 120 frames per second is only playing in China. They're playing 60 frames per second everywhere else. But the distributor are arguing it's 120 frames per second because it's 60 frames per second per eye. Is that true then, Ian, or is that is that spin? Well, to be fair, if it was that, then we watch all films in 48 frames per second. So it's spin then. It's bobbins is what it is. It's bobbins, yeah. Sounds bobbinsy. But I'm gonna watch it in high frame rate, 3D plus, as they're calling it. And I'm all over 3D it. 3D as well. Oh yeah. Holy fuck! What was the last film you watched in 3D? Fuck knows. But this is 3D high frame rate. I think the last time I watched in 3D was the second Spider-Man movie. I. I'm pretty sure. The first Hobbit was high frame rate and 3D. And that was fucking awful. Yeah. But I'll be honest, I kind of believe in Ang Lee. If he wants to try something, I'll throw some money at it. That's fine. Yeah, I can see that. At least he fucking tries it. He goes for it, doesn't he? Mm. Also, I'm about a half hour into the latest Jim Mickle film that's on Netflix, In the Shadow of the Moon. Oh, yeah. I think you guys should give it a go. It's interesting. Oh, I will. Cause I, I like. I, I, I very much like Jim Nichols' uh, back catalogue. So. Yeah, I've got no fucking idea where it's going. I'm really interested. Uh, well, 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 should we, should we, should we, we might even call that next week then. Nice. See how it goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. So uh, thank you very much, guys. At Film Bastards, at Dude Foz, at Bexy Foz, at Ian Loring. I'm going to go to bed. They're going to eat, and we're out. Good night. Bye. Bye.